Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dyer here, reporting in as always, aka Captain Brunch. Being joined as always with his co host, Destin Soglo Frazier. Can we start out the Pepto Bismol for Raw, please? I mean, I don't know if it'll help. You might just want to seltzer through the entire three hours. <laughs> I'm going to need more than seltzer. Now, just keep yourself moving a little bit. So you don't feel dead on the inside. That was bad. I don't want to rush into it, but that was bad. I'm not even going to oh. begin. But there's a lot of other good things happening. So don't worry. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. Thank you to everybody joining us on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune, and SoundCloud, and all of those other platforms, Podcast Attic, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as TalkBrunch.com, and of course over on our video feeds at Twitch.tv slash TalkBrunch and Facebook.com slash TalkBrunch. What a week. I didn't enjoy it. Spoiler alert. Those sound like the groans of a worn man. I'd rather watch the Mortal Kombat movie again. I don't know. I wouldn't take it that far. It's funny. I don't know if that person, it was somebody in my comments. It was like, oh, Mortal Kombat movie's fantastic. I couldn't tell if they were joking or trolling. So I I just laughed because I kind of figured I'll just let them die on their own island. Worst case scenario. Right. They want, if they want to drink the seawater, they go on ahead. We'll have fresh water here. Yeah, I don't feed the trolls. You know, just sort of just like, ha, 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 idiot. If he is, if he's joking with me, then yeah, ha, ha, buddy. <laughs> Depends where you're coming from, you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, good news, man. The WWE 2K22 video game is enlarged. It's in, mm-hmm. is enlarged, uh, dreaded by everyone. But they released some sort of a developer diary or something. Am I hearing this correctly? They put some sort of a video up. This is a dev diary. Yeah, it's part of uh, them being more transparent with it. Okay. Have you seen this yet? I have not. Okay, because I was going to ask you. I wanted to be spoiled on if it's more transparent. You stupid. I really did. I wanted to know ahead of time. I wanted to know, is it? Like, I don't oh. want to go into it. And But, you, you know, know what? the Let's bad just go part it. is my mm-hmm. instinct, because of how long I've known you, my instinct went to you. Did you expect characters to be see through? Well, hold your breath. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Lionel Jinx, coming to you once. Uh, actually, it's been a while since I've done this, so I should probably reintroduce myself. I'm Lionel Jinx, and I'm the creative director of the WWE 2K franchise and WWE 2K22. Just want to let you guys know that expect to see more of that type of content moving forward from us. We're going to be giving you guys a sneak peek of the development process of WWE 2K22. It's not just going to be me this time. I'm bringing my crew with me. So we're going to be holding your hand through the process of how we make WWE 2K22. Because it hits different, y'all. So smash that subscribe button. Matter of fact, RKO at 619 and do whatever it takes to make sure that you stay informed on all news regarding the WWE 2K22 development process. Peace. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Okay, so pretty much an intro video to the whole development thing. Okay. 
I mean, the guy makes a good YouTuber. If this was YouTube and I was coming to his video to hear, like, the latest gaming news and him show off a couple of Funko Pops, then sure, I like this guy. But I don't need charisma from my lead developer. I need to know how the fuck they're going to fix the problem, you know? Like, yeah. I'm glad that he got the camera effects down and the little zoom and the stop music and the little quirky. Yeah, well, nice. Very good. You know, I can even use them over in creative over on Raw. But I'm just saying that my concern is with the shitty game that was, like, far from good. And even before they got involved with it, it was far from good. You got to bring me more than just that smiling shit after what's been happening for the past couple of years, you know, and a couple of, oh, that's a motion capture they showed us in the background. Like, oh, and here's some guys doing motion capture. All right. That's not really an update. Yeah, well, let's see what happens with the first actual update. Which, yeah, God, see, like this is what I was worried about. That's what I was worried about. There's nothing transparent about that. You know, boo. Anyway, speaking of shitty things, that Mortal Kombat movie, um, I guess TMZ caught up with The Miz and he was more vocal about really wanting to do this Johnny Cage thing. I think at this point, it, I, I don't think he gives a shit about the movie. He just wants it on, on his own. He just wants it on his resume that he plays Johnny Cage once. Gotcha. <sighs> Johnny Cage. People are kind of saying, hey, The Miz would be great for this role. Fans are a little disappointed he wasn't in this Mortal Kombat. The movie's blowing up. What would make you a great... I think you're serious. You want to play Johnny Cage. Is that, is that Yeah. What would make you the best choice... Is this, uh, is this my audition right no, here right. In, in the in the airport yeah, exactly. of uh, you know this is yeah yeah exactly uh, TMZ always following me everywhere I go I think that gets me uh, into the Johnny Cage realm uh, of, of who I should be as the character no if I mean honestly uh, if I have a shot at it uh, I would definitely want to make sure that I give everything that I possibly can to make sure that. Not only uh, the production company, the director are happy with the character that I get, but also the, the fans. Because we're not happy what we're getting now. That are so animate about you know Johnny Cage being in what the about movie. That one like, guy? I, I've never seen so much reaction towards uh, towards a movie that is great. You know, when a movie's great, people are like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Enough. But all you heard was, "Where's Johnny Cage? Where's Johnny Cage? Where's Johnny Cage?" So you know that this is an iconic character in the Mortal Kombat franchise and it needs to be done right. And uh, if I'm the person to do it, then so be it. I'm ready to go. Now you already have the background in combat sport. I mean, for de over a decade. Uh, how are your martial arts skills? It's not, uh, I mean, honestly, if I'm not a black belt in karate, you know, but uh, I am willing to do whatever it takes to get every single move correct, perfectly done, uh, like Johnny Cage does. Wow. Wow. That'd be fantastic. I think fans are really, there's kind of a movement. Ooh, kind of seeing a little. It's cool. Uh, honestly, usually when my name comes up to anything, <laughs> okay. like, hey, Miz should do this, it's usually a lot of negativity. It's usually a lot of, no, he sucks. We hate him. He's horrible. What? Honestly. Not many every, people. Honestly, oh, I see it all the time. But huh. this was the first time that I, I've ever been, my name was dropped in something and everyone gravitated towards the positive side. And I yeah. was really appreciative towards that because it really hit me. I was like, wow, you know, like, I remember playing this game when I was in, when I was a kid, like Sega Genesis. I would never play Super Nintendo because it didn't have the blood. But uh, I always played the Sega Genesis version and I remember playing as Johnny Cage and, and to see this kind of all happen, it'd be like a dream come true. You know what, at the end of the day, 
I can say that, uh, oh, well, there's a lot to take away from that. But as a, unfortunate for him that he also chose the wrong side once again as a child with the 16-bit version because the, the, the blood was the only thing that the Genesis version got accurate. The, the game was more arcade-like on the, on the SNES. Just a little Easter egg there. But as far as the myth portraying this character in this movie, it, it would be cool. That's savage. Stace has put that he's already a direct-to-DVD actor anyway. Because <laughs> the whole time his interview was going, I was thinking to myself, what, what nowadays suffices? What nowadays defines, rather, a direct-to-DVD actor? Because there aren't any such thing as DVDs anymore, really. Everything's kind of direct, when you think about it, everything comes out at home in the era that we're in, and he is an actor. We need to come up with a new term for for shitty actor, because it's a nice term. When people say, oh, he's a direct-to-video, that's what it used to be for VHS, direct-to-video guy. Well, that's a direct-to-video movie, this is a direct-to-DVD movie. It used to kind of tell you this bullshit. That's a nice way of saying this is shit, but it's shit that you can put on in the background. But now that everything's directly coming out, how do you distinguish, right? You would just need a, that has to be like a new tier system. I- I almost kind of feel like direct-to-DVD just means that, like, not only does your stuff only show up in Walmart, but only people who are too poor to afford a monthly service will get it. So direct like it's to, got worse. Direct-to-TV. He's a direct-to-TV actor. Got, <laughs> what's up, Thomas Garcia and also Andrew Castro in the, uh, on the Facebook over there. But, yeah, oh, boy. I, I, yeah, I can't lie. I mean, he made himself a director DVD person by doing those Marine sequels. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, six laser games talk triple A. This would be single A if that. <laughs> I, you know what's bad? I really have more faith in The Miz as Johnny Cage than I have in the movie as Mortal Kombat, though. The Miz would oh, be yeah, good like, for easily, the role. That's the, that would be the only thing at that point. I can't shake how bad that movie was. That movie's one of those things. That movie, even though it's based, it's ironic that it's based on a character that's the antagonist is ice when the movie sort of feels like hot water. Like you ever turn on your sink too hot? You don't know right away how hot it is. Like it's almost like there's like a delayed reaction to heat where it's like, ah, that was hotter than I wanted. Or when you're in the shower and you go a little hotter, like cold will hit you like that. Like, oh, it's cold. But when something's hot. Sometimes it's a delay between you realizing that shower was a little too fucking hot. Better go the other way. That's what that Mortal Kombat movie was to me. Because it, it feels like it burns more. Like it singed into me the more. Like when I first finished it, it was like, eh, you know. Then like I talked to you about it and I really recall stuff. Then I put up that video that I shared on social media. And it's like, wow, what a piece of shit, right? I like the old 1995 Mortal Kombat better, for sure. So Yeah, that one, that one hurt. That- yeah, it was, it was awful. I've been streaming, and anyone who's on the live feed, I've been streaming other Mortal Kombat stuff just to sort of palate cleanse myself. Oh, you can check that out. Anyway, in other news. Oh, wait. I, I didn't realize that this is what we're going into. I want to have the button for this. I don't. I didn't expect this to become a thing. I knew it happened again, and I was like, yes! <laughs> is this a strange world that we're in? Yo, and you know what the funny thing is? For people saying he's trolling, no, he's fucking stupid. I refuse to believe it's trolling because it's it's not good enough. <laughs> Spoilers. He did it again. <laughs> so let me see what's going on here. So he tweets out. So there's another fucking poll. He's like, we have blocked all trolls and fraudulent accounts who negatively skewed the other polls. This is the final and official 
Where do you want Ryback to return? I ask you, don't vote retire as a joke. This is as legit as it gets, and I will have no choice but to respect the results. Wow. So the sheets were reporting. I saw it at like almost 69% when I looked earlier today. The sheets had it at 63. I saw it at about 69% for retire, which is over 12,000. I think they want you to hang it up there or shark. Is this a gimmick? Is, are we being worked here? Like, I'd love him to show up in AEW, and this is the gimmick. He's just some bastard that everybody wants to retire. This is brilliant if this if he's working us. Too bad Brilliant and Ryback don't exactly go together. So. He Luke has to be working us, Ryback man. always thought he was bigger than he actually was. He really thinks people are trolling when they want him to retire. It's like, no, nobody wants you to show up anywhere else. Make peace with it, Skipper. Oh my god, I saw it and I almost couldn't stop laughing. I was like, no way. You did it again. I do a poll like that once and I don't do it again. This motherfucker did it three times. I can't I have to believe we're being worked man. <laughs> no, I won't. I refuse. Look at that shit. Even impact fans don't want him. That's how you know it's bad. They'll take anybody. I was thinking at first when I saw it at 8.1%, even Impact doesn't want him. Then I actually thought, no, wait a minute, 8.1%, that probably is all the Impact fans voting to have him come over there. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There's the Impact heat reignited after almost a decade. (laughs) 8.1%, that's all the Impact fans that want him? No, sir, that's all the Impact fans that exist. (laughs) (laughs) That that, That counts all of them. They even had their nephews and nieces voting that shit. <laughs> oh my god, they made a count for the kids and had them vote too. That's it. We have a kid count for, to try to get impact votes to get Ryback. But it's like that number for retire goes up higher every time. At a certain point, it's like more and more people want you to retire. Don't you see this? Wouldn't it be great if in the next one it comes out and underneath there's a GoFundMe for if you want him to retire? This whole thing was so that he can go fund his retirement. He hits that goal in like a minute. Hey guys, you think that I should retire? Somebody hit their goal on GoFundMe. You guys think I should retire? Well, revelations. <laughs> We're gonna be doing this GoFundMe. Oh my god! Oh, that guy, man, he is something else. I wonder what happens next, right? I almost—I never thought I'd say this, but I almost feel like I should follow right back so that I don't, I don't. Next, right? So I don't miss an update. Isn't that the way to look? That's that's good booking. Better follow this guy so I don't miss what happens next. I'm curious where this is going to go. Retires, I want to be the first one to know. If he doesn't retire too, like no matter what, this is screwed, right? This is broken forever. There's no way to turn it back the other way. You would think, wouldn't common sense, this is, this is, how, I know, this is how I know how dumb he is. Wouldn't common sense just tell you after the first time, just take retire off the fucking options? He's trolling. I'm telling you, he's trolling. He left that shit, left that shit every fucking this time. This man is trolling us. I like him. I'm, Ryback's still a smart guy, man. That's what I remember. He never sounds stupid. Oh. Well, too bad he does stupid shit. He's well spoken. The well spoken dumbass. So we spoke about it happening, and apparently AEW is going to be running at full capacity at the Daily's place. Yay! It's going to be May thirtieth for Double or Nothing. This is literally in like nineteen days now, right? Since we're at midnight, right we're on the corner. We are the here. I don't know. I mean, everyone has split opinions on it. I'm not here to get into all of that kind of stuff anymore. I don't care. I just, the, the world almost ended. Whoever lived, thumbs up. Right. We made it, damn it. Let's be happy with what we have. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to pick sides. I'm just saying they're doing it. Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio, and this is what he said in regards to the matter. 
you know, this is a match I think near and dear to a lot of our hearts. And we wanted to do this for the fans last year, but at the beginning of the pandemic, when we didn't have fans around, there was no way to do this. And, uh, you know, tonight we've got our biggest crowd since we closed down for the pandemic. And I'm really, really excited about it. There's going to be over 1500 people here tonight and it's going to be really, really great. We've opened it up closer to, uh, 40% 40% capacity. And now, uh, you know, I'm planning as we get closer to double or nothing to, to start loosening it up. And I expect to be at full capacity outdoors for double or nothing based on, you know, what a lot of other sports have done. And I think it's going to be great. Uh, and, and really I'm, I'm just excited to get back to a sense of normalcy. You know, AEW's had a great run through the pandemic. It's crazy how much has happened. There's a lot of our biggest stars have never wrestled in front of the full crowd at 100% capacity, which is insane when you think about how many big people in AEW that applies to. Um, Brody Lee, his entire career in AEW was in Daly's place, effectively. Um, and which, I, you know, I, I appreciate. The fans here saw some some great matches and some of the great matches in his career. And uh, then at the, end of his, at the end of his life, the fans here came together and celebrated his life with us. And so I always really appreciate the Jacksonville fans here. And that's why I'm glad that we are able to give do blood and guts here because these great fans here in Jacksonville have really been the hometown team for fans all over the world watching AEW. And, uh, you know, I like the virtual fans. I think the virtual fans are awesome, but there's no substitute for the real fans and the excitement of live fans. And we've been able to provide that through the pandemic safely this entire time. And uh, so I'm really excited about that too. So it's going to be a great crowd tonight. I wish you guys were here uh, at the show tonight. I'm saying it right now, Tommy. Sure. I don't know what's going on with AEW. I don't know what's going on with SiriusXM. I will find my way to Jacksonville, Florida for double or nothing. So I hope the nation comes with me. I'm asking the nation to come with me because I owe it because I wasn't able to go to the last show. So I'm definitely going uh, to, to double or nothing. I'm going to make I'm going to make it official right here for everybody on Busted Open because I really appreciate this audience and this forum. You guys give me it's we're going to make a whole weekend out of it. We will be uh, live on Friday. We will be live on TNT on Friday. We will be doing something for the fans on Saturday, a fan fest. And wow. we will and that will be great. And then Sunday will be double or nothing, which will be our first full capacity pay-per-view that we've done since revolution in Chicago, which was my favorite thing we've ever done. Yeah. So you got a full weekend for that, huh? Yeah. Celebrate the occasion. And, uh, they also basically said they're going to start touring as well. So they're going to be going into full capacity for that pay-per-view, but also July 7th, they already have, uh, a scheduled Wednesday at the James L. Knight Center in Miami, and then the following week, James for, um, J- July 14th, they're in the HEB Center in Set Cedar Park in Texas. Uh, and then the following week, July 21st, they're scheduled for Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. So you got one in Florida, two in different parts of Texas uh, coming up in the summer. So at least those are some definitive dates for touring, and they're going to have full capacity seating at the end of the month for the pay-per-view. So again, take it as you will if you think it's too soon or not. Um... But everyone seems to be getting back to normal as well as WWE, according to Russell Vost, they're saying that after SummerSlam, um, that's going to be the start of their touring. Uh, and then after that, they're going to be doing three to four locations uh, going forward. So it seems like it's very similar to what we're seeing with AEW. But then at the flip side of things, 
we're basically hearing on the other side of the world that it might not be such a good idea because apparently New Japan reported that two of their wrestlers from the company have just contracted the virus. And uh, they basically put out a statement saying just that. They said two New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers have, have tested positive for COVID-19. All New Japan, all Japan Pro Wrestling talent is subject to daily temperature monitoring as well as blood oxygen saturation checks and frequent testing before the road to Dantaku tour began. All wrestlers and staff returned negative PCR tests, clearing them for competition. On the morning of May 4th, Wrestling Dantaku Day 2 event, two wrestlers presented with high, a high temperature. According to protocol, they were taken for immediate testing. While those that had close contact with the individuals in the last two events were removed from proceedings, New Japan Pro Wrestling has learned that the individual's tests were positive for COVID-19. The two are currently experiencing mild symptoms and are acting under medical advice for treatment and recovery. Other wrestlers as well as staff who have been in contact with the individuals are currently being thoroughly monitored in controlled environments and receiving relevant tests. Updates will be provided in due course. New Japan Pro Wrestling apologizes for the inconvenience and concern caused by sudden card change to this news necessitated by the May 4th event. And then it says, uh, in addition to the aforementioned regular health monitoring, the requirement of masks during warm-ups and backstage, as well as the provision provision of packaged food to minimize outside interaction, are all enforced at New Japan Pro Wrestling events. Moving from New Japan Pro Wrestling will work to further improve its COVID-19 countermeasures and do everything possible to ensure staff, wrestlers, and fan safety. We once again deeply apologize for the concern caused to fans and personnel and ask for your understanding. So we know that they got this. This is still going on, obviously. You can still get, catch it. It can still spread. It just seems to be like in smaller bursts now that uh, the world has gotten some level of control over it. Yeah, I think this is what this is New Japan's first outbreak. Well, not even really outbreak, but first case somebody catching something. Yeah, six layers saying that the vaccination situation in Japan. But yeah, I have I have friends out there, so I know that they're definitely going through stuff. Uh, it was also being reported by Wrestling Observer that Tommy Dreamer um, was experiencing a bad case of it, and uh they said that he was saying that for 17 days, he felt like he had a massive concussion. He was getting chills and heavy sweating. One night, he felt so bad that he couldn't walk or go to the bathroom and said that his hips and elbows felt like they were on fire. And he was so much pain that he couldn't use his arms. He said at other points that he was laying in bed and it was so painful that he had to stand up against the wall. He said at times it felt like he was going to die. And he noted that he had blood, blood clots due to pain in his legs and fears the disease would cause him long-term health problems. And he said that more than a dozen wrestlers on this tour ended up getting sick despite them all testing negative prior to the show. And then he said uh, that it's, he, he expressed some anger, apparently, uh, that his wife and daughter caught it when he returned home. Now, that's pretty bad. So, yeah, I hope he gets over that. That doesn't sound like a normal bout of it. It sounds like it's one of the more oh, serious yeah. ones. Not I'm really reading this for the first time. It sounds like, sound like that hit him extra hard. It's a, it's a really conflicted situation, though, because kind of like, and I don't want to really go too much into it here, but yeah, it's a hard choice for everyone to decide if you want to take something that you may or may not have full confidence in versus the random fact that there is still very much something going on that hasn't been contained yet. So that's the reason I, I kind of put those stories together on purpose because I just wanted you to see two sides of the spectrum. You know, on one side you got AEW and WWE as early as in 19 days going back to being on the road and going back to filling up stadiums and shit. But just right across the other side of the world, Japan doesn't sound like they're okay, you know? Yeah, it's... It uh, might. I And I and I know I was going to try to stay neutral on this, but right now I'm kind of teetering on the... We might be in a point where... And it's just me shooting here. But I'm looking at it like we learned how to exist during this thing really well. 
maybe it couldn't hurt for us to just count our blessings, gauging where we are May 11th now versus where we were last year, May 11th, and just being like, this isn't so bad to just chill in it for a little bit longer. And I mean everything, not just the stadiums, right. everything. Because I keep hearing everything's up. Oh, restaurants open at full capacity. Transportation's going back to 24-7. It's kind of like, I'm not saying everything shouldn't go back to normal, but I'm saying that there have been drastic adjustments made. People have learned how to work remotely and use stuff like Zoom and Skype and all these other programs. Uh, things have been done in a way where we should take advantage of the fact that we figured out what to do and that we can wait this shit out. I don't know what the rush is. The essential worker stuff, I understand, foods, farms, stuff that is important that we've managed to get a hold of, I totally get. And as someone who enjoys recreational stuff and who's been to many a Raw, many a pay-per-view, I'm still saying that I don't see why we can't just wait this shit out a little bit. It almost feels like summer's here and everybody's excited and almost forgot what it was like before. And I feel like it's too fast. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like I agree with you guys in the chat. I agree with Cabby Gun. I agree with Willie. I d- it just feels too fast. The necessity felt more urgent back before we knew what the fuck we were going to do. When we didn't have a Thunderdome or ways for people's heads to appear on screens or ways for people to communicate or get things done. And it was like desperate chaos. Now that we have some control over it, what's the rush? We went through all the trouble to build all this shit. Are we going to just shoot it into the sun like at the end of Gundam Wing? Spoiler alert. (laughs) We could use it a little bit longer and just make sure, especially for the elderly and the people in the high risk level. Like, I just don't see what the rush is. Do we really want to watch Raw and Dynamite and go to events and concerts and restaurants that badly? Is it that fucking important? I, I, it's like I see both arguments, but sitting here analyzing, I didn't think about this before we got on the air, but is it really that important? I kind of feel like there were some good things that came out of people holding back a little bit. And again, not everything. To be clear, I'm not saying everything. It was not cool that people were literally barricaded in their houses, but now we're going to the extreme opposite, which I've always said on here, humanity tends to do. We go extremely one way and the extreme the other. Before it was like, don't do shit. Now it's like everyone's like, good news. Everything's opening up to maximum capacity. Do like, it all. Like, no, 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 no. Where it is now and where it was a couple of weeks ago, even more so, is where it needed to be right now. You know how you do this? It's simple math. If anyone's ever played an RPG, you have math. You look at your party members and you look at their HP, their MP, their items, their stats, and then you go, you know what? I want to go here, but I'm not going there because there they're going to kill my ass. But when my numbers are as high as those numbers, I'll see you guys. Isn't that how RPGs work? So it's kind of like I'm looking at the numbers. When the numbers start going down, I think it's a more safe time to decide, all right, now we can start to move things. It's like nothing's gone down. It's not the worst possible time to make a decision. Hey, what's up, A? And not, dude, when my schedule, I don't, I don't get to watch anything. I, I'm lucky I get to watch the stuff that I, you, you know what it takes to do this? I'm, I'm doing literally everything. What, what this was when we started this seven years ago is nothing like it is now. Like, I'm everything you see, man. I'm the call. I'm the two chat rooms. I'm the screens that are controlling. I'm the stuff appearing. I'm the brunch by throwing out the links. And uh, the program that takes several hours before the site, trust me, I, I, it is on my queue. When I say that, I mean it. Like, I'm going we, to watch we, it. We have not forgot about it. I give credit just for the fact that he came in and still remembering. Like, y'all watch yeah. that shit yet? But we're the same way. We don't forget. We go and we watch our backlog of stuff. Like, Destin and I, it's just a, especially we're recovering from WrestleMania month. I want to say, because that's what it felt like. It felt like they may have, yeah. it was a week for everyone, a month for us with the preparation and stuff. But I, I think that April is the least that I've ever broadcast it in our entire 
six plus years on here and we're just starting out getting back one thing we haven't missed i only i i think in seven years we only missed one episode of a talk brunch live being on a monday but i'm talking like extra content which i usually do a whole bunch of other streams we haven't done any like i think a couple of days ago was that mortal Kombat stream yeah what do oh, you mean i don't even see what i eat i just consume how do, what how does that work <laughs> he doesn't even see what he eats he just consumes what is this what am i fucking am i fucking galactus <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> The strangest comment I've ever seen somebody play. He doesn't even see what he eats. All you hear in the background is, bitch, what you got to say? (laughs) Speak with your chest, motherfucker. Inhales, if even. You know, if you ask Destin, if I, on a Monday especially, you ask Destin how how many times it's been quite the opposite of me inhaling food. You know, there's been many a time that uh, he and others have had to remind me to eat food on a Monday. No, it's full speed ahead on here, man. You have no idea rough day yeah i'll literally forget to eat 24 hours for the monday that's why i went you know what i I don't want to segue too much but that's why i've been getting annoyed lately with uh because a lot of people talk about streaming that do it and they they talk about it like it's the hardest labor that they do i'm talking huge communities and oh i have to stream i don't know it's like the gaming part is fun you know as someone who's game my entire life being on here and hanging out with you guys like when the game's on we're just talking about whatever i don't i can't believe that they I guess because it's what they started with streaming and never really evolved to anything else. And I don't mean that with disrespect that they feel pressure. I just don't feel pressure when I'm gaming. Gaming is like a release. You know, we're on here chilling and yeah, we got a mic and we're live, but it's, it's gaming. You know what I mean? Like, it's just hard to go from this. That's like a fucking long program that we have in front of us. That's like five tabs of information laid out with ripped videos that are sequenced while fucking following the script and keeping up with Dustin. To me, that's way more pressure this Monday than anything. We could be, I could be on here. I could live on here if I didn't need to eat and play games. But there's so many people I see on social media. I don't want to call anybody out because I know I'll get unfollows even without uncalling anybody out just now because they're going to think it's about you. But there's so many people. I see going, I'm going to take a break. I got to just get off of here. And I was thinking to myself the other day, imagine how much more peaceful all of these platforms would be if our peers that constantly bitched and complained about their mental health, proclaiming that they're signing off to take a break, ever actually took those breaks. Because you always hear about the break, but no one ever actually takes it. You know what it is? They don't want to actually take a break. They want the attention of others by saying that they're going to take a break and then they want the praise for returning like they're feeding off of that because when you think about it let's think logically no one that proclaims that they're going away and taking a break from doing something ever actually does if 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 they weren't still invested in the platform then it wouldn't be so important for them to announce their absence from it like when's the last time that you shopped at a store or been at the mall and they didn't have what you want and you decided you were going to go check somewhere else and you just felt compelled to go hey I just want all my peers to know that I'm getting the fuck out of here. It's what's best for me. That's my mental health speaking. What's here is not what I want. Good day. It doesn't happen. That's not a way that human beings interact. So it's strange when it's like someone has to announce that they're leaving Twitch or Facebook or Twitter. Like you have to make this big proclamation. That gets on my nerve because it's not that serious. You're playing video games with your friends. Stop fucking crying about your mental health. There was a whole generation before us that couldn't play video games with their friends like that. And now that's here, that's what they need to take a break from. Stop fucking crying. Everyone's being a pussy about that kind of stuff. Don't you think so? Tired from gaming. I'm tired from playing video games. What the hell? 
I don't try to make this a competition or anything, but I don't know if anyone will be able to execute one talk brunch live on a Monday that's complaining about playing fucking Fortnite on a Tuesday. So, unbelievable. But yeah, a lot of that shit was on my mind just because it's, it's a little silly. It's just a little silly when I see people just crying. Like, and, it's like, and I know we all have people. Don't act like you don't. Everyone has someone on their social media that wants you to know how distressed they are and how they're going to just take a fucking break from it all. But they're always there. When does the breaks happen? <laughs> Every time I have a rant like this, I get a bunch of unfollows on the main account. But it's like I'm not pointing at one guy. And that's the thing I'm saying again here. Remember that time I talked about I said something like this before and I came off and I was way lighter on follows. It was like, wow. And ironically, a lot of them were small streamers. A lot of them were small streamers that I didn't even know had followed. And I was just like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not specifying. I'm just saying I see it a lot. If it wasn't something I saw a lot, I wouldn't address it if I see one guy doing it. But it's just you don't get burnt out so quick on, on, on things that are, aren't that bad. And podcasters can tell you, I'm surprised there are more podcasters that are vocal about the fact that that shit is way harder, audio, video, or otherwise, it's way harder than like just playing some games with buddies. That's why sometimes the games with buddies can be as long as 10 hours on here. But the Talk Punch Live Wrestling is only a maximum of four hours on a bad day. We have a lot of shit to cover, like today. Right. Hopefully not. But I digress, Tommy Dreamer. I hope he's doing better. Um, he said that more than a dozen wrestlers got sick. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with that. I think we should stay shut down, though. This next story. <laughs> you could finish with if you were going to say something, but oh, boy. Oh, no, I got to brace yeah, myself. Pretty much, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm almost a little reluctant to put this individual up on the screen oh, for God. the next story. I think it's I'm, the one, is it the one I think it is? It probably is. But this guy, <laughs> this fucking guy, man. Did the image He's not work bad. of him? If the image didn't work of him, then this might be even better than it was God's will that you don't see him. Because he had to, oh shit, there he came up. <laughs> they just went, oh, because it appeared here first. He went, oh, yes, there he is. The fucking. I heard it. <laughs> the performance center stalker, Armando Alejandro Montavlo, the guy who stalks the performance center. Anyone who didn't keep up with the story that shows up there literally stalking. And he's been arrested several times on the property of the Full Sail University. They've even had police come and shoot him. Shoot this man to make him stop bothering people from WWE to try to be. He, he try, I don't know if he thinks that it's real or part of him wants to be a star. And he's trying to get to Vince and he's come. You guys have heard the stories. We've been, we've been, how many years have we been following this shit? Oh, my God. I couldn't even tell you. I so wasn't even a regular when we first started, calling, first started talking about this guy. Oh, my God. All right. So what the hell's going on with him now? So can you guys believe the last time we spoke about him was June 22nd, because that's when he was denied bail. He was he was arrested and denied bail June 22nd. He just got out. That dude almost spent a year behind bars for stalking WWE. <laughs> almost a fucking year. You know, everybody stayed out of his way. You would. I hope he learned his lesson, man. 11 months should set you straight. No, 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 no. He's not back. He's not back yet. He's, he's out. This is just a, this is the prologue to a storyline. He's out. Uh, so what happened here? He was rescheduled for, for pretrial January 6th, 2021, blah, blah, blah. He was given 10, a thousand bond. He was given a thousand dollars bond recently. Defendant shall have no contact with victim or witnesses. Defendant shall not possess any weapons, firearms, or ammunition. Defendant shall not possess or use any controlled substance without a valid prescription. Defendant shall attend all scheduled psychological evaluations. Defendant shall reside at... I'm going to read his address. Defendant shall remain in contact with his attorney. He wrote the judge a five-page long letter. That's right. 
That's why I wasn't looking forward to this. You're going to have to bear with me while I read this motherfucker's letter. (laughs) We got time. It's written. I have to bring it up on the screen for you, too. I don't even know how we're going to do this. Oh, my God. The handwriting, dude. The judge. I feel worse for the judge than I do for myself. Oh. Give me a minute. We're going to have to figure out how we're going to do this. Holy shit. This is the fun part when we decided we were going to do wrestling podcasts. We were like, yeah, we're going to turn stalker letters. They're the best shit ever. You guys got it on the screen over there, right? I'll transition. I don't even have it there. I gave it to you guys first. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, fuck me. How am I going to read that? The front fucking door. Did this man have a stroke? A five-page letter long stroke? What the fuck? I would have denied bail just for that shit. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, you made me read this? (laughs) Give me my gavel. (laughs) I would have been like, I would have bad news buried in his ass. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Oh, man. Can you read that? I can't read that. Where one word begins and another one ends. I'm zooming it in on my screen really large here. The defendant respectfully asks Honorable Judge Tanya Davis Wilson, along with the Orange Orange County 9th Judicial Circuit Court, to please grant this hearing or at least to please give it some thought in chambers due to the COVID-19 outbreak in America and the world. Also, the defendant's trial period being continuously. How come he talks like The Rock? Like, instead of calling himself, he's like the defendant. The defendant says, (laughs) as the defendant's trial period being continuously pushed back on more than one occasion in violation of his amendment rights, 5th, 6th, and 14th being deprived of life and liberty without proper due process of law. One, the defendant Ferretta for Ferretta hearing motion was granted on February second, twenty twenty one. The hearing is set for April twenty third. Blah 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 blah. Let's see if there's anything interesting. I'm not going to bore you guys with ever since the Nielsen, ever since the Nielsen hearing on blah blah blah. This is all just technical dribble, man. He must have put the, the freaking uh, judge to sleep. Oh, the second page is worse, my friend. The second page is worse. They gave more lines because you know how the second page is. I forgot there was a second page. Second, I don't even want to tell you how how far this goes. Defendants. Motion to dismiss due to probable cause. Blah 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 blah. Counsel's waived. Blah 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 blah. That's just some updating everybody on the case. I'm skipping these. If the defendant was pre-trial. Blah blah blah. Let's see how he closes. Because we can't read all of this. I'm sorry, guys. I thought this was going to... This is a mess. Family due to jail. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to go back one page just because it seems to have gotten a little interesting here. I'm just wondering how we wound up where we did. Give me a minute, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, let me scroll down to the very end. Where was he going with this with this conversation? This guy's a nutball, huh? The defendant was never invitation of a crime to be to begin with in this case and is just trying and is doing his best in all efforts to get home to his whatever i can't even read the last line there i'm on a different page from what i have on the screen but then finally to his family to be done with jail thanks dr martin luther king because he has a dream 
May God bless. And here it comes. <laughs> may God bless all the courts. Thank you for your time. And may Jesus keep everyone's family safe during these times of COVID-19. You're truly the defendant, Armando Alejandro Montavlo. And God, I trust Jesus. I like how it was a special shout out to Martin Luther King. I got to bring that up on the screen just so you guys don't think I'm making that shit up. Because that was like page five. I spared you a lot. He had like a moment where he tapped into the PC throw. But he's a white guy. Exactly. Why would he thank Dr. Martin Luther King? He was exactly. a white guy. He's a, he's a white stalker. I couldn't imagine what it, what it must have been like. The guy, what it must have been like for the guys in his cell block. Motherfucker come out with child time. Where's my fanny back? Quest Thompson said even Dr. King doesn't want to free him. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream to keep this crazy motherfucker locked back up. It's like he just felt like he could say anything. Anything that could maybe he has a black inmate with him that was been preaching to him and shit, and he just thought he could use it, but he missed the point. It's like, nah, it's my friend. Of, it's a shout out for my boy Pookie and D Block. Pookie, like, I don't know that motherfucker. No, he doesn't. So, that, oh my god, I hope that guy stays away from WWE. I can't be the only one with this hope, right? I mean, let's be real. You know, I, I originally had that hope, and then he got shot, and I was like, if they doesn't stay back at that point. Well, he's out on that $1,000 bond, and he can't have a gun, so those are two good things. But, while we're on the topic of stalkers, you ever thought you would segue like that on a wrestling show? While we're on the topic of stalkers, you ever thought you'd have that? That's that's such a shitty segue. Sonya Deville, there's an update according to Wrestling Inc. in regards to her stalker. Remember that guy who broke into her house during SummerSlam Mm -hmm. in 2020? Uh, Apparently, what's happening here is... uh, he had a competency hearing. We don't know what the court's decision is, but they're basically going to see if he's going to be competent to, to stand trial. And the reality is that, not, that in this case and in the last case, these guys probably will not be able to stand trial. It's probably, they're probably going to be deemed crazy. You know what I mean? And they're not going to go put away. They're going to get given help. And that's sort of the unfortunate glitch in the system that... That guy that we just read part of his letter and put it on visual screen. Does that sound like he's going to be made competent once they were to look into it? Hell no. Same thing with this guy. Like this guy showed up at her house. And and, and, the, and what about the one with Paige that showed up at her house and he said that symbols let him there? You know what I mean? Like you think these guys are going to pass competency? They're not going to be. They're, they're going to get like help. They're not going to get put away. We're like they're not going to become stalkers again. We've seen it. How many times has the other guy gotten put away that we've talked about on here? Did you think that when we you guys start locking up crazy? All right. Remember? Did you think after the first couple of times we talked about him getting dragged away in here that we would come back here and talk about it again? And did you think that that time when he got shot that we would come on here and he'd be back again? Shooting has to be really convincing, right? Like if someone shoots you, that's really that you must have an epiphany there. Like man, that guy shot me. They really don't want me around. I shouldn't come back here. I might get shot again. The police shot me. Oh man, too many stalkers. At a certain point, you guys are like, like, damn that whole, oh, his mental health. No, he crazy lock his ass up. Yeah, I know, right? So there's some weird stuff happening. I know we haven't covered a lot of MMA on here, which my fault. We've just been busy, like I said before. But there's been like a lot of weird shit happening in UFC. Like people have gotten fired. Apparently, I decided I was going to scoop this story up and throw it on the program. So Luke Sanders was fired. From UFC, these were cut. These, they did like the heavy cutting, sort of like the WWE spring cleaning. They did heavy cutting. Yeah, they do this every now and then, but it's not like a regular thing. At least that I've seen. 
I believe he was uh Becky Lynch's ex boyfriend, right? Luke Sanders. Yeah, yeah, he was he was uh who Becky dated before Seth. Yeah, also a guy named Anthony Burchick was caught. Alan Cruz with an eight and four record. That's a pretty good. Jordan Griffin, but he lost his last four of his last five fights. So I mean, you know, so that was one of those like old school UFC rules: you lose too many times, you got to go. Yeah, pretty much. But the one that I think was the most telling was Page's ex, just because of the fact that he has um he had a pretty good record. He was thirteen and five. Luke Sanders, you know. So, well, what are you making of all of these cuts? Yeah, it just. It seemed, I mean, I've seen this happen every once in a blue moon, where you'll see like a few different fighters get cut loose. Usually it does depend on their last few fights or if they're just not making any headroom. Mm -hmm. Which I know with Luke, I think his last maybe two or three, I believe he's lost him. So that would actually make a little bit more sense because I know he came on hot when he first showed up, but just hadn't been able to get his feet back from under him. And yeah, a lot of the other guys just that Dana's always been kind of big on usually when you lose like three maybe four fights back to back it's time to go because you clearly can't handle it at that level and then some guys you just can't seem to get them a fight so it's like they don't really want them just taking up space yeah and another notable name that was taken out of this was Diego Sanchez that one was surprising because Diego Sanchez is like one of the old school guys in the UFC. He's been around. He was the winner of, I believe, the welterweight division and the very first Ultimate Fighter. So he's been there for years. Yeah, so this was, I, I, again, we haven't been doing too much on the program in MMA, but the more I looked through stuff today, I was like, you know what? It, this, this is becoming a bigger deal the more I looked into it. So Diego, he was on uh, MMA Today. Which for those of you that don't know, uh, that is a podcast that they have with Anthony Smith and R.J. Clifford. And he spoke a little bit, and this is what he had to say in regards to what, what happened to him. And I'm going to share the, the full podcast with you guys because it's long. It's about 42 minutes, but we'll let you hear this clip. Is there any, do you think that there's anywhere, anywhere that maybe it could have gone better? You know what I mean? Like the, the phone calls in the, in the video. That's the only thing that, from what I see, well, that was the issue. Let me, let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you, okay? So with that confrontation, before my fight out at Abu Dhabi with Matthews, the objective and the task that Fabia had in confronting the team, it was achieved. They, that was one of some of the best commentary that they did on me. That, that, because, see, that's where, that's where because, I was going. Because he confronted them and, and he brought awareness to the narrative, because he brought awareness to what happened in my previous fight, and because we have a little camera rolling, that's called insurance, motherfuckers. We've been getting insurance this whole last two years. We've been filming everything. Why? Nah, because we're trying to get rich and make a documentary. We've been filming everything for insurance to protect our own asses, man. Because you guys think that this shit is just a clean cut. All moral integrity and honor and loyalty and respect. As real as it gets, company. But that's not the truth, man. I'm outside this. I'm outside this company now. And to be honest with you, I'm gonna tell you guys both frankly right now. I'm fearful, man. I'm fearful. I'm fearful for my motherfucking life. I fearful that this company, this billion-dollar monopoly company worldwide, is gonna come after me. Something might happen to me in two years, maybe in a couple years, maybe something happened. I made my truck fall. Maybe I wrecked my truck. Maybe something happened. Maybe I, 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 
I, oh, Diego overdosed on some suicide shit. I don't know, but I would not put anything past the level of evil that is within this corporation. What, why and would they do so, that to you? Why would they do would that they, to me? Because why would they try to they, off you? Well, I want to, I want to get, get stopped for a fucking minute here. What, what are your, I'm just curious. I want to pick your brain about where we are now in this story. So, oh God, don't give me that. Okay, so. Why does he think that they're going to do it? Is he implying that the, the Dana is going to put a hit like this is a powerful, this company, you never know, they're going to make you right? conveniently disappear. You know what I mean? That kind of, what like he's basically fuck? saying when you think about it, like, oh, you know, you never know. You hear Diego OD or have an accident in his car. You know, that's, it's, it's almost, that's what he's saying, right? Yeah. So as long as I've been watching Diego Sanchez, since he won the Ultimate Fighter, that war he had with uh, Clay Guida that wanted to be getting a Hall of Fame spot. Fights with for everybody from freaking, oh my God, him. Multiple fights with Clay Guida, B, BJ Penn. One thing I've always known about Diego is the man's a tad off his rocker. And I only say that because if you ever watch the Diego Sanchez entrance, he's constantly screaming yes. And then you get into the cage doing cartwheels, screaming yes. Nobody knows why he does it. We just know he does it. So it, at least for me, it's not out of the realm of possibility that it's in his own head. Because with as many people who have been around the UFC that have had issues with Dana, why do none of them? Why do none of the other ones have the same thought process? Yeah, it's not like just... it's not like a Tito Ortiz couldn't say anything. And Stacey makes like a good a point that Silver or anybody else like. Yeah, Stacey makes a good point. That that video comes off as him going like, I'm here to tell you today that I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I'm happy with my life. So if anything happens, you know, <laughs> it's just a strange. It's like, really? Whoa. I mean, they fired you. Why would they? I guess because he's been speaking up about shit with them. But hey, let's hear a little bit more. Uh, because because if I was to expose some of the stuff that I know about, that because I've been in this motherfucker longer than anybody else, and been the only one that, that survived the bitch that went through the fucking dark tunnel and came out the other side, you know, like I'm still here. I'm still able to speak to you guys. Thank God for that. And that's also due to Joshua Fabia helping me. He, he mentored me and coached me in speech. He mentored me and coached me in father, how to be a better father, how to so many other things. It's not. And, and no, we're not gay. Yeah, the Ariel Hawani pushed that narrative. That was a part of Ariel's narrative. Put the little picture up and 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 the brazers and no, we're not gay. He's been the best friend that came into my life, helped me get my shit together because he's seen a man who was so traumatized emotionally, physically, mentally, in in so many ways that that people don't understand. And yeah, I've kept it in the dark for my ego, for my glorification so that i could be this great man and the truth of it is man it's just it, it isn't what nothing is what you think it is not my career not my life not ufc and what's going on but in the end yeah i didn't get my fucking final fight i didn't get my retirement fight with another legend i was ready i was prepared i put in 100 days of training camp i did everything disciplined i didn't have a drink i didn't have a smoke i i, I was ready to step in there and put it all on the line why 
so that I could speak my truths and be heard, not silenced. Like they're trying to silence me and Joshua with the narrative, with the push, with the power for YouTube, Google, Instagram. You don't think UFC's in the pockets of Instagram? You remember going to the athlete retreat center when we first talked? Yeah, they pushed us. They pushed Instagram on us before when Instagram was still real. Before that, you always used to get the before you used to get the messages. You used to get the me- now you now we get the messages. Oh, um, we'll we'll give you two. We'll give you twenty thousand followers for five grand. You know, I know you guys. I know Anthony's got the messages, oh. but how do they do this? It's because they got fake profiles, and and they're in control of these fake profiles. So you could do whatever you want. And, and, and now, now that it's gotten so big, it's a paid system. And so, yeah, me exposing that, man, that's not good. Not good for me, you know? So, but the truth of it is I know a lot and awareness, uh, the awareness, bringing awareness to stuff, it, it's heavy and it's deep, but now I get to speak my truth, man. I didn't get that fight, but I'm in another fight. I'm in another well, fight. Well, speaking I'm, of- I'm, I'm in, I'm in a fight. For, I'm in a fight for the fighters and everybody out there who is going against Joshua. Shame on you. Shame on you. You're a little sheep. You're get. you're following the narrative. You're, you're believing what these fake little bot robot fake accounts are putting up. Oh, oh, con, 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 all oh, this strange, strange, strange. Oh, 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 go, go on there right now. You go look at the shit. And you will see these fake accounts while they're, they're starting to change now. They're starting. Yeah, you think has an axe to grind, huh? Right. Like, damn, son. He's that show, Mr. Robot. Remember that? Oh, my God. He has some points, though, about the social media and the way it's become a pay system. And you can buy followers. Yeah. Everyone gets offered followers and, and subscribers and everything. People sell out and do that shit. But, yeah. There's no oh. secrets there. I think you heard enough, though. I don't think we need to all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I'm not sure if he was really going anywhere. I wish I would have screened that a little bit before. But uh, yeah, I was thinking, okay, is he wrapping this up? Nope, he's gonna keep talking about all kinds of conspiracies. Still going. So then, uh, his coach, Diego Sanchez's coach, Josh Joshua Fabia, he basically uh accused Dana White of sleeping with the girl MMA fighters. Wow. Okay. I've Let heard people at, say that about like the ring car girls, but never like the fighters. Yeah, I'm looking here to see what we have on that. Because apparently there was some DMs or something, right? Oh. Let me see what we got. Bear with me here, guys. <laughs> when I first heard that, like literally my exact name thought was like, wow, first the ring car girls, now this rumor? And I was like, did this rumor evolve? Like, is that what it was? <laughs> Did you know about the ring girls, though? That he was banging girls or whatever? I'd always heard... I'd heard that rumor, like, off and on years ago, but, like, I never heard any, like, solid, like, evidence towards it. It was always just like, yeah, you heard Dana's banging, like, air... Freaking... God, I'm trying to see if I can remember some of the names. I heard Rion Celeste, and I was like, what fuck? Like, what? Really? Her? Wow. Wow. Good. That, good was, one, that, was, not, that was, like... That, I don't say because that's the only one I can remember by name. But, yeah, this is like... I'd always hear, like, off and on, like, yeah, Dan's banging the ring car, girls. And I, was like, I was like, the fuck, what? Wow. That <laughs> stud, huh? <laughs> Is there any proof to back this or just them saying it? I, I've always heard just proof. I've always heard just, like, hearsay when it comes to the ring car girl one. Oh, so someone told someone that told someone. Yeah, that's all. That's all. 
It was like my favorite rumor back in front years ago. So, so apparently Dana, Dana, the more I'm looking at him, the more I'm realizing that this guy looks familiar. A bald white guy who oh. runs a big, powerful corporation that could just make you disappear like that if you go against the grain of him. Oh, is this no. Wilson Fisk that we're looking at now? Is that what it is? They got Wilson Fisk? No way. That's some good casting right there, boy. I believe it now. You see him? He's Wilson Fisk. <laughs> that's right. He's the kingpin himself. Now that's the casting. Fuck Johnny Cage. <laughs> you could be Dana White. You got Dana White to be the kingpin. He'll make you disappear. How intimidating is that? <laughs> so I'm looking at the screenshot here. I won't put it on screen. Dana White shared this. Does Dana White really shared a screenshot of him texting the guy? It's so funny that he he's like to think that the position that Dana White's in, and this is what <laughs> he tweets to he, he direct messages the guy. Eat a fat dick, you fuck face saying I fuck fighters, fucking goofball. And then the guy tweets back, You won't silence me, you bald fuck. I will expose you. And he says, Expose what goofball goofball? How you ruined Diego's career or blowing him? And he said, I know you sent assassins after me and Diego. And then Dana puts, Yes, I sent D. And he's like, D who? And he's like, D's nuts, you goofball. <laughs> <laughs> What is happening here, man? People still walk in that 2021. How is this happening? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the bad part about this, it doesn't even surprise me because I've seen Dana just openly go off on people. And it's never not funny. But he's the one who shared it. Right. (laughs) Because Dana don't give a shit. Dana's like, I want the world to know I son your ass. I'm going to, that's for anyone who has to, because I'm not going to read that and I'll put it on the screen. So he sleeps with the girls, and he and he uh, and he assassinates the, the guys. When I heard when I heard this when I heard this would come out, I just remember seeing a Facebook post uh, that posted this story, and the one comment I see is so that explains why Cyborg didn't make it. I was like, that is fucked up. Wow, oh, okay. Dana White, man, yeah, he's always been pretty direct with stuff like that. Anyway, here's the screen. I just grabbed it for you guys. Bring it up. Yeah, Dana. Dana is. Dana White is the definition of don't cross the boss because the boss will hurt your feelings here. One will wish you luck on your future endeavors. The other one will tell you to eat a fat dick. That dude, man. He's always been like that, too. Like, Dana ain't scared to go off on nobody. Well, he definitely has heat out there with those releases and shit. Yeah. All right. Well, WWE is reported. You guys have been talking to me. I haven't watched any of these, but they've been doing A and E's been doing documentaries on different WWE superstars, right? Yeah, there's a A and E biography. Uh, how many have come out by now? Do you happen to know offhand? Let's or see, no? I know there is Stone Cold, Roddy Piper, Booker T. I believe was the most recent one, and I know Shawn Michaels is up next. So, from what I'm hearing, is being reported that uh. The Booker T one, according to David Dennis Jr., I'm guessing that's someone that's involved with this show. They were going to be including the Triple H Booker T feud in this documentary, and then WWE had it removed. Not shock at all. And that guy wrote that Dennis guy wrote. So this is a deleted tweet, but he said, "So there's a lot of footage somewhere that's pretty spice." L M A O. I just wonder if Vince and Triple H saw it because, baby, I wonder what exactly that would be. <laughs> Interesting. Probably, probably more of the behind the scenes on why that angle turned out how it did. 
I told you guys on here before we randomly segued into it one day when I discussed it, that that angle always struck me as off because of the way that it was booked. Because when it started, Triple H versus Booker T, the angle was sort of written as Triple H saying shit like somebody like you could never be WWE champion, like your kind, like and like I'm paraphrasing, but he was implying like the implications without it being a race thing. It was sort of edging on that shit where he was like, somebody like you can't be champion. Like, you can't be WWE champion. And at the time, naive as I was, uh, I kind of just took it at face value for being that the payoff would be when Booker T goes over Triple H in a match at a pay-per-view, becomes champion, and blah, blah, blah. You tell your fucking story, your underdog story, which is what we do here in the wrestling world. But... Little to my knowledge, that never happened. Like, he literally, it went into the pay-per-view. I don't remember what the match was. I think it might have been even Mania or something. Yeah, it right? was Mania 19. Yeah, WrestleMania 19. And they went into the match, and then Triple H fucking went over. And it was like, yeah, somebody like him, according to you guys in shitty writing, somebody like him, I guess it can't go over a champion because you could have had that happen. And they and didn't. They wrestled and I and think they did it again at a Raw, because I remember that was my first Raw. Triple H, well, that's when he got DQ'd again, but yeah. Booker never got that win over him. So it wouldn't surprise I, think me. It, I don't think Booker T's ever beaten Triple H. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the reason why WWE had A&E take that off the Booker T documentary is because of how that shit would come off in modern days. Like, the world has become a lot more SJW and a lot more, you know, conscious of shit like that. And I, I said on here years ago, man, I was like, it's weird that that angle with them was like, somebody like you can never and then he never. It would have been more justified if they were telling a true hero and villain story where at the time Triple H is saying somebody like you can't get over and then he does. But now you're kind of just grinding in that shitty point and it's going to come off that way. The worst thing you want in a documentary is for them to show a whole bunch of clips of you and Booker T fighting with the voice overlay of you going someone like you can never be champion with that slow fade to black that they're going to do with the white words that say Booker T never went on to become WWE champion when that shit ends. That's probably because that's how I would make that documentary, which doesn't paint them in the most positive of lights. Now, does it? Just like it known that Triple H went over every single bit of this feud. (laughs) So I'm assuming that this is the reason why we're not getting that at all. And uh, yeah, I thought it, it, it's very telling because Booker T was super qualified. He came over as a WCW champion. What the hell? Right. But uh, let's see this here. I tell people all the time, man, I don't lose any sleep over it or anything like that. It's not something that I go to bed wishing, man, I was maybe 19 at night. Oh, man, I wish I had it back or anything like that. Um, but but it, it was a night that literally could have um, you know changed my life you know in a, in a, in so many different ways. It could have you know shut up all of the critics and the naysayers who say it never happened and it, it would never happen and whatnot. Um, it was a built-in story there as well. You know um, you know so many people, even office guys, say, "Man, you book, you should have won that night, man. You should have won, man." And um, and um, and I say, man, you know, I, I've always been a team player. I've always been one of those guys who just wanted to go out and do my job and and um, and be a part of the team. And you know, I never thought about you know it being, you know, uh, 
about the title or anything like that. I just wanted to perform and, and make you guys happy at the end of the day. And at, at the end of the day, you guys were not happy uh, when I didn't win at WrestleMania 19. So I felt like I let you guys down um, in so many different ways. You know, so many uh, people like you come to me and say, man, but you should have won that night. You know what I mean? So many people, I'm, I'm talking about race all across the board. They say, book, he should have won. You know what I mean? So um, I'll be uh, pulling for Kofi Kingston. Uh, like I said, if I see him that day, um, which I'll be at WrestleMania, um, hopefully he'll get that match. And I'll say, man, I'm pulling for you. And hopefully, uh, you know, this question will be uh, finally, finally erased from the history and the annals of time. Yeah, so I, he, I always heard him say that it didn't really bother him. I think it's, it's just more like how it looks, you know? It, it, yeah, it just how he look, came it, off. It has a really bad look. More than the fact that he didn't win. Yeah, definitely. Like, like take take away all that whole somebody like you could never be WWE champion. It's one thing. When you throw that in, though, you're putting it in a position where it's like if Booker doesn't win, that's just not a good look. Yeah. I can't argue with you there, man. All right, we're doing good time tonight. Uh, let's see here. So, I mean, the elephant in the room, Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. He left. No, no, no. Didn't look like he was coming back last I checked. Um, it doesn't sound like he's interested in being part of what's a disheveled, disorganized mess post-COVID company that it's really become, you know, that was barely holding it together before this. Yeah, I mean, Uh, we talked about before the fact that he wasn't really invested in being in the world championship match at WrestleMania, which he didn't want to be in in the first place, but they just kept pushing it to put him in. Yeah, that his heart hasn't been in it. PW Insider was reporting that uh, they don't have that etiquette in WWE that they had with CM Punk, where they're sort of trying to uncanonize him and that they don't say his name and he's cut out of clips and things like that, and that everything's still pretty cool. Um, when I first heard that, I I said that's because we're in the early phases. I remember them feeling that way about. John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose, when they were giving him his third Shield send-off, they loved him until they realized he was gone. They feel that way about Snoop until he showed up at AEW. They're cool until you show up somewhere else, you know. But then it's being reported by Ringside, and they said that there's open communication, uh, but no rush from either side in regards to inking a new deal. So, but then when we're hearing that, uh. We found out that, uh, remember they, there was a Walter thing? There was an after the bell where they asked Walter who are some of the people that he wants to face. And he talked about Cesaro, Finn Balor, and Daniel Bryan. And apparently, WWE edited out Daniel Bryan's name from that clip. It's so already as, started. So as much as they're saying that, oh, you know, he leaves or whatever, we're still cool, he's still family. Like, already we're fucking hearing that there are things that they're editing on the network. Now, they can't do it on YouTube because there's no editing tools like that on YouTube. But... It's edited off of their own shit. They they love to uncanonize you when your contract is up. And we're hearing, like, there was a lot of speculation that, well, Daniel Bryan will show up and he'll be a writer or a trainer or something like that there. We we basically heard Ringside looked at the, into that matter, and they're exclusively reporting that uh, he's not interested in anything like that. You know, like, he doesn't want a full-time thing. You know, he doesn't want to be a full-time anything behind the scenes. So he's not going to come back for that. So... In regards to him showing up in AEW and all these other places, I don't know if I would even even uh, say that that's a possibility right now, you know? Yeah, because he doesn't want to do anything full-time anymore. He wants to be with his family, so it's like, I think it's more of a possibility that, if anything, he's just going to take some time to just be a dad. Like, 
maybe figure that out down the road but yeah it's I kind of feel like they screwed up his big comeback anyway. Like, they don't deserve that, oh, yeah. Brian. When he first came back and this thing was like a miracle, as much as it was amusing, what did they do? They put him with uh, freaking Eric Rowan and turned him heel and gave him like a, a, a belt made out of hemp. The most significant part of that championship run was him dropping it to Kofi. Yeah, but he and he put a lot of people over in his time, but they never really... He was never the Daniel Bryan that everyone had imagined he would be if only his career wasn't cut short. You know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't pick up from where it left off. It started on like a new place and it was weird. Yeah, just like I kind of, I think I kind of felt that the writing on the wall with that happening there with them. So I think even if he is gone right now, I don't think that's any major loss. You know? Nah. Just because they wouldn't have used him the way that you would have wanted anyway. They literally just tried to replicate freaking the Mania 30 run and were too stupid to realize it wasn't going to be anywhere near that again. But they wanted to do it just because they wanted to try to do it again. It's like, no. There's a reason that worked the first time. Don't forget that later on tonight, guys, at the top of TalkBrunch.com, we're going to have the voting poll for this Sunday's WWE Backlash 2021. Uh, which will be happening Sunday, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be active in the chat rooms throughout the event. And then, of course, we'll have a post-show following immediately. I'm guessing around 10, 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. So stay tuned for that later on in the night. We'll do our poll as we always do. Uh, did you see the before and after pictures of Tommaso Ciampa? Holy shit. Yes, I did. <laughs> Those are pretty impressive, right? That, that motherfucker is scary now. Yeah, let me bring that up so that you could see here. Like, that is one hell of a physique change over the years, right? Right. Dude, it's jacked now. It's not, it's not like he wasn't in, it's not like he was in bad shape with him before. No, he was never in bad shape, but he's but just he's in phenomenal shape in now. Good for him. You know, very solid. Always been a great worker. Someone who's definitely one of the faces of NXT. And, uh, yeah, he's that is amazing. Where it's like, they can't have him ever leave there. Yeah, uh, he does great. They are very lucky that they were able to get him and keep him in sustainable. And he's doing in- impressive stuff, you know? All right. Anyway, what else do we got here? Oh, yes. We talked last week about the partnership between WWE and MLW and the discussion that was going on. Mike John- Johnson of PW Insider is now saying, were there conversations at different points? Could MLW and WWE maybe do some stuff together? Yes, at some point that did happen. They had conversations in the past, and Court Bauer and MLW sold WWE to copyright to War Games, which Bauer had copyrighted on his own many years before NXT decided to resurrect that concept and use the terminology again. There obviously has been back and forth. I was told that even prior to WrestleMania season, whatever sort of discussions that were there were kind of fizzled out there was never any oh we're gonna make a deal we're gonna shake hands it was more along the lines of what you guys are doing what are what are we doing but i also think that there was this time period where wwe was looking to make deals with other companies to bring their content to the wwe network it's possible that they were having those conversations and then management switched over and and changes and things disappear i was told that there's no current discussions at all people in wwe were like yeah no but there will definitely be people on the MLW side who were like, yeah, nothing right now. But we had some conversations in the past. And if they want to open up the conversations again, we're open to talking to them because who wouldn't be? So, yeah, there's not really anything as far as that goes. They've never been known to really play well with others. This isn't AEW or New yeah. Japan where everybody gets half crossover action. If you're in WWE, like they're going to lock you into that shit. 
And they're going to lock you in and then it's going to use your stuff for their benefit and zero for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm just saying, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that big push you're all supposed to be getting. So. so there's been some stuff going on in regards to AEW uh, and YouTube. And there's mixed stuff going on here. So bear with me while we put it all together on the program. But apparently, because of AEW, the Botchamania YouTube channel which you all know probably longer than some of you existed, uh, which is a channel that basically shows botches and, and spoofs basically that happen in wrestling. It got taken down due to AEW's copyright infringement. And uh, Matthew, the owner, he posted, yes, the Botchamania YouTube channel is down. No, I don't know if it'll be back up. Yes, I'm talking to someone in AEW. No, I don't know if it'll help. Yes, I've seen your nice messages. No, I'm not in a tweeting mood. And then parentheses put, I've got food poisoning. And uh, if you guys recall, the whole point of this was that when AEW first came to fruition, one of the things that they said was that they were not going to be like WWE in the sense that uh, they're not going to start targeting people that share their content, put videos, animated GIFs on social media or things like that. Because since then, we've had many reports on here that there's been copyright or DMCA takedowns or things that they always said, oh, don't worry, like it's never going to happen. Now, there's conflict here. And just to let you guys know in an update, Matthew did get his channel reinstated by YouTube. But the conflict here is that there was a tug of war between people saying whether there was deliberation on the part of AEW. Meaning you got half these guys saying, look, AEW went in there and they're clicking around to see who's doing podcasts and videos with their content. And people saying that it's just the YouTube algorithm, the bots of YouTube striking these channels. And then AEW retroactively going and uh, correcting this mistake because they really don't want to do any harm to content creators uh so the thing about it is from what i'm seeing uh ringside's reporting they they were contacted directed by content creators that say the aw is going after them and uh one account showed a fan-made entrance video showing how music has changed and uh the video fell within fair use and uh, apparently they still went after this person and that they're doing it intentionally and that it was a decision that they made to go after these fan accounts and that Botchamania was able to get their channel back, but that there's tons of other creators out there who are still suffering um, and that AEW is still aggressively going after. And then uh, one creator said, to be clear, WWE's never issue takedowns of his videos. They simply block what they don't want, which he accepts and removes immediately out of mutual respect. So anti-piracy at alleliterestling.com is the official email in the takedown notices. And that uh, apparently one content creator emailed that account to try to reason with them and explain to them that all content is fair use, which I have done with WWE. You guys have heard me say on here that there's times that I've gone, I've put a notice to WWE explaining to them the use and it was fine. Uh, And then they said that the reply um, was just a cut and paste generic reply without any empathy and he quoted saying these clips are aw intellectual property intended for only the private use of our audience no part of our programming audio and or video may be reproduced broadcasted or exhibited in any form or by any means without the consent of aw it is also prohibited for users to generate revenue from broadcast or exhibition by the user of any aw content including media scrums or other editorial materials without the consent of aw as a result we are unable to authorize your use of the content and you may be subject to copyright strikes and or takedown notices this is a generic response that they received back again this is something happening in uh and almost simultaneously with them working with the Botchamania YouTube channel to get it reinstated. And then uh, 
they also sent something, an email saying, fair use does not apply. Those clips are AW intellectual property intended for only the private use of our audience. No part of our programming may be reproduced, blah, 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 blah. So, but ringside went on just in case we need a refresher to provide once again, the definition of fair use in the laws of putting people's content up. Fair use is defined as the doctrine that brief excerpts of copyright material may under certain circumstances be quoted verbatim for purposes such as criticism, news reporting, teaching, and research without the need for permission from or payment to the copyright holder. Now, to be fair, and I mean, there's a lot of categories here that it could be really defended under, which is the reason why I'm surprised at the amount of copy of, of content creators that don't use that argument as many as you think they would they don't because it's pretty pretty broad area of things there let's let's really look at this here you know for the purpose of criticism news reporting teaching and research if it's one of those four things you don't need to say anything to anyone so the basically the uh, opposing argument here is that AEW is abusing the automation of YouTube's copyright system to exploit and have these videos taken down, regardless of the person being protected under fair use. This is no new situation here, folks. So it just so happens that it's falling into the realm of all elite wrestling. But this is something that's been an issue with YouTube for years, which has made me not particularly a fan. There is a lot of automation and people who do want to mess with it can go around and mess with it a lot. I don't know if that's what's happening in regards to AEW. You know, I heard them saying that they were working on getting a lot of this stuff corrected. Yeah, so, it's a tough call with YouTube because we've... Uh... The, the problem is that the YouTube system is broken. The question here is whether or not AEW was being using it to exploit that, which the proof falls more... Is The burden of proof here is that they went to... To, to Botchamania's YouTube channel and they helped it get reinstated. The issue is that Botchamania is a huge YouTube channel and it was getting a lot of publicity. We don't know if they're extending that same courtesy to a lot of the smaller content creators that got hit with this is what yeah, I guess is the problem here. So, eh, it's, this is the problem. I mean, this has been something we've spoken about before in here. There, there's just, there's no clean answer in regards to what's happening. You know, I would wait to hear from them, but I, I don't think that they would, even if they did it, which I don't, I question if they did, I don't think that they would admit it. Who would, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Botchamania uses a lot more of the content than probably any channel does, but it's in direct parody of it. So they are completely covered. Whether or not they can monetize it is a different story because they still have the right to claim monetization on your video where your video will run with their ads on it and then they get the monetization from that. But that's a completely different thing. And we're not getting into all of the technical content creation shit today because I want to leave eventually. <laughs> all right. So what else we got going on here? Tony Khan apparently spoke on... Uh, I'm trying to figure out what the hell the source is here. Well, whatever it is, he spoke on something. Oh, this is entrepreneur.com. And he said, uh, I don't know, this is being, I guess he was asked about the differences between WWE and AEW. And his answer was that there are a lot of differences. 
and he doesn't do really cheap DQ finishes to prolong something. And that there are other wrestling programs where you might see multiple DQs and countouts in a week. And that he believes giving the fans a finish to the match. He believes in not false advertising programs and people. And he might hype something and really want to believe in. But there's a big difference between hyping something and false advertising outright. And he's never done that the latter. And that he thinks that that's why they have a lot of goodwill with the audience. And that following through on the things that you say that you're going to do and trying to deliver a show that's in the spirit of what the fans want to see week in and week out and offering fresh matches and fresh programs is a big part of it. And that not doing the same 17, the same matches 17 weeks in a row over and over again. Uh, that's definite shade throw to WWE who happens to do all of that kind of shit. Oh, God, yes. I mean, we're going to get into it when we get into the weeklies, but he's one to talk when it comes to booking. Because, like, I have some severe issues with, with what we saw happening here, you know. Um, yeah, there's definitely some stuff there. But we're also hearing rumor. Uh, this, is, this is coming from Brian Last. For anyone who's unfamiliar with the world of podcasting, Brian Last is Jim Cornette's co-host. Uh, Brian Last said that he heard rumors um, that uh, there's some sort of an issue between uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, I guess, or Cody Rhodes, I guess, has some sort of a heat with them or whatever. I would take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, I heard that a couple of times this week. But, they, but they're just basically saying that uh, there's been rumors going around that Cody's not exactly on great terms with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and that he hasn't really been on being the elite. He hasn't been on anything in a long time. And that Sean Ross Sapp on Fightful addressed it and he said that he's heard about it, but the people aren't talking. So... Again, I would take that with a grain of salt until we get some more information on it. We are hearing, according to Fightful, though, that there's a lot of people that were on AEW Dark that attended a WWE tryout. Uh, Tasha Price, who had a dark match against Britt Baker um, during the May Young Classic and been working on AEW Dark. Alex, Alex Garcia, um, who was on AEW pretty much since uh, 2019 in the Dark Show. Ava Everett who's been in CZW, Limitless Wrestling, and beyond. Uh, she was at the trial, and, Nat- and Natalia Markova, who I know this one guy who has a group, he worships her. Um, she was at the trial in 2017. So, those are the people that are going to be tried out at WWE currently. For anyone excited for them to get more fodder. <laughs> you know? Jeff Jarrett now has a podcast. Him too. It's called My World. It's my world. Did you get it? Did you get it when I said it? Did it come right to your mind? Yeah, you got it. I knew you'd get it. (laughs) I don't know who the co-host is on there. I don't know too much about it. I didn't get to listen to the whole episode. It's probably Conrad. I'm pretty sure it's Conrad. I didn't want to say it, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's Conrad. Conrad's a co-host whore. I'm pretty sure it's fucking Conrad. I feel like I even heard him when I was clicking through, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, he talked one of the most interesting topics, which we've discussed on here briefly over the years, was how Jeff Jarrett departed from WWE with that whole thing with China and Mae Young and Moolah and where they whipped his ass and covered him in pancake batter and all the women come on, fuck him up. And the reason behind that was he held Vince up for money to drop the title. Or whatever. So he t- he opens his first episode. He tells that story, which I want to listen to some of it. I'll link you guys to the entire thing here. Just give me a minute to uh get this adjusted. Yep, it's Conrad. I heard the fucking thing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Didn't you hear it? 
Anyone who's ever heard those podcasts, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, Conrad right on screen. <laughs> there he is, Conrad. There's fucking Conrad. All right, here we go, guys. So uh, sat down. Uh, Jr. came up and sat down. And says, "Where are we at?" I said, "Well, Jim, I really hate." Are you in catering? Are you in the arena? Where in the arena. Okay. And I said, uh, "You know, Jim. Uh, no, Terry left on the first conversation. He came back for the conversations following, but me and Jr. sat down, and he's like." Where are we at? And I said, Jim, I just want to say, man, I hate that this is where we're at. I feel as a character, I'm about as hot as I've been since several years ago. But I said, I, I got, I got it. I understood that uh, you got to make your decisions, and Vince has to make his decisions. Well, Jeff, you know, and you know, I, I, we thought we had a deal. I said, I, I don't know how you could think that. I, I, I was never, I never signed anything. I never saw, I, I never saw a contract. I, I mean, there was nothing. And he goes, well, I thought we'd come to agreement. Business is so hot. Man, you don't want to go down to that place. And I'm like, this isn't, you know, I don't even know if he said that. But it was just pretty much chit-chat, small talk, because at this point, he knew the ship had sailed. It's done, yeah. Done. And uh, I said, so, Jim, here's the, here's the situation. I want to make everybody's life easier from today moving forward. I want to get out of your hair and not specifically you, Jim, but the WWF's hair. I, I want there to be a nice parting of the ways. Let's do our business today and move on. You guys got a lot on your horizon, public, going public tomorrow. You got Raw, you got SmackDown, you know, UPN. That was a really big deal. I mean, SmackDown was, I, I, it was, I don't think uh, we probably stressed enough on how big of a deal it was during that summer that quote unquote, our television distribution doubled to a network. I mean, it was big, big, big news. I was on the very first SmackDown, and me and China had several cool um, storylines. You know, uh, I mean, I was we did the mud match on that. So SmackDown was a big component of this. So there was a lot going on in Jim's eyes. Everybody's workload, quote unquote, exponentially went up. It, it wasn't just at, you know, we're so common to it today. And it's amazing, you know, WrestleMania week has Raw, SmackDown, Hall of Fame, NXT1, NXT2. I mean, you know, so much we're doing it. Back in those days, it was Raw and TV. I mean, it was Raw and pay-per-view, Raw and pay-per-view and live events. So adding another two-hour network show was big business. Anyway, back to the story. So we're, we're I said, listen, I want this real. He said, well, what do you got in mind? I said, I want to clean it up. I said, you know the payoffs that I have coming to me. I said, I'd, I'd, I, I, I really think it's best for everybody. I want to get paid for all the money I have coming for me. You know what that is, Jeff? And I said, as far as dates, I said, yeah, I know my live events that I hadn't got paid. And I said, I got the pay-per-views, and we got the data cover. So I, I would like to clean all that up. Well, I don't know if we can do that, Jeff. I said, okay, I, I understand that. You guys can't meet that then I don't really know why I'm here. Yeah, I have zero leverage when I leave today, Jim. You're an old-timer like me. Once I once today's over, it's over. You're yeah, going to make that I want to add context to that because you said earlier you felt like you'd been shortchanged on some payoffs. You specifically cited some loops that you were on with Dustin. And you went back and you complained, and they wrote another check. But as you said, you didn't know if it was necessarily making a correction as much as it was just placating you. Well, by God, that's because he's trying to keep his intercontinental champion happy. And let's just keep the wheel going. But if you're going to another company, 
well, what's my motivation to fix your pay now? No, but all leverage. If you don't go ahead and square up right now, and you probably did have your quarterly checks for royalties. You had a track record of about what I'd been making on the house shows when it was the accurate number, not the low ball number. And you probably had a track record for what your pay-per-view payoffs were. So in my head, we haven't talked about this. You add all that together and say, here's the number I think it is. And here's how I got to that number. Is that right? So I, you know, let's, it's three or four house show runs and uh, two or three pay-per-views. And I knew the number in my head, but I put on the negotiation hat and I said, in, in theory, you know, can we get this done? Well, and this went back and forth with me, me and Jim a couple of times. And I said, can I get my money today? Jeff, it ain't up to me. It's up to the old man. Okay. Find out. I, I've, I've, I've just got time today, Jim. He got up, went back. Did it, and 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 I, I don't know exactly, but but I know that I made them go first. What is the number? They you always make them go first. That's the best way to do it. What what is that number? And you know, and and this is where it gets into, and and you know, I had so much time that day on my hands that I I had the match in my mind, and I know Pat and China. And we'll get to that in a minute, but Pat Patterson and China are going over different ideas. They've got fish and guitars and flour and powder and, you know, the prep for all the match. And I'm sitting in the arena with my street clothes on talking to Jim Ross and Terry Taylor and trying to figure this out. So there's a, it's a, it's an interesting set of circumstances going on, but Jim came back and said, yeah. And I said, well, what's the number? What, what are you paying me? Cause me trying to throw a number is, is, is something that you just don't do. Yeah, you work down from that, so you let them start and you go up from that. Yes, but also it's not it's not like, hey, I'm at the garden, I want uh, five grand for my shot. Yeah, no. they always determine the payoff. A hundred percent. That's and that's common ground, and that's pretty a practical matter. The promoter knows what the gross house is and knows what his expenses are. The talent doesn't. So it wasn't like out in the ordinary that I'm saying, hey, you go, you know, Conrad as a business person, negotiation. You, you anchor the negotiation. I, I get all that. That wasn't even my mindset. You're going to have to tell me what that number is. So they came back with a number and I just sat there and I said, let me think on it. And so I think we got a deal, Jeff, let's get this done. Let's get this done. And then, you know, the whole idea of cash and I mean, it just gets so preposterous, the stories that have run down and bank wiring and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, how that story went from bank wiring and it's a Sunday. Does that even make sense to you? Oh yeah. Let's mention that from Bob Holly. He says Vince said he'd make sure Jeff Jarrett was paid, but Jeff said he wanted the money wired into his account immediately before he brought his bag and the IC belt in. Otherwise he was, get, otherwise he was getting on a plane and going home. I thought it was wrong to do that. I sort of understood where he was coming from because sometime it took up to six months to get our pay-per-view checks. He was owed a lot of money, and I guess he was worried that Vince wouldn't pay him. Even so, you don't hold somebody up like that. Management had spent so much money building up the match as one of the main events, they couldn't turn it around. They had to deliver Jarrett versus China, and since Jarrett was the IC champ going in, he had Vince over a barrel. When Jarrett confirmed that his wife had the money, over $300,000 had arrived in his account, I call bullshit to some of this because, first of all, I don't think that the China versus Jeff Jarrett match had them held up for that much during the Attitude Era. Like, we got to have this Jeff Jarrett-China match. 
Right. You know, like throw me off the whole time. I was like, really, China and Jeff Jarrett was that much? And we got to get this. I think they'd be more concerned with the IC belt, but I don't even think at that point it was that big of a deal. But I know he did hold them up for money. He brought in his bag, got dressed, and stayed away from everybody. Road Dog, being the loyal friend he is, stayed by Jeff's side. So you see right there, uh, Bob is saying it was wired. I've always thought, I don't know many bank wires you can get done on a Sunday. Uh, (laughs) Ever, period. You can't get bank wires on Sunday. And then uh, the other thing that we've heard is Jim Ross says somewhere in an interview that you wanted it and that you wanted it in cash. And when he said, well, Jeff, there's no banks open on Sunday. What do we do? Supposedly they paid you in cash. Did they pay you in cash? The whole, so I, it just, just think about that. I'm going to get money wired on a Sunday and my wife is going to just, Oh boy. So, so, um, it, it, I love the wrestling industry because you want, you, you want the fictitious story or you want the truth. So anyway, it's just crazy. No wire. So anyway, so he came to me, um, and, 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 and look, the, the look, I'm, I told you you're in charge of topics. I'm in charge of truth. So, um, Jim comes to me and they said, we've sort of done pen to paper and we're thinking 150. We're thinking 150, we'll get it all cleaned up. And I said, okay, all right, Jim, 150 is what you think the number is. You sure? And we more or less did a head nod. And I said, you know, Jim, let me let me think on this. And, and, and I said, this is going on in and blah, 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 this. So he said, I'll be back and let's close this deal up. So however much time transpired, half hour, one of those things, it might've been an hour, might've been 15 minutes, whatever it was. But when he came and sat back down, I said, Jim, remember how you changed the deal on me a year in? And he's like, well, yeah, I said, no, I said, that's, and I said, I understand all the reasons you did. And I respect the hell out of it, but we kind of agreed, but we didn't really kind of agree on 150. I don't really agree with that right now. And I've had time to reflect on my last two years. So if we're going to get a deal done, this place, Gundarina, is sold out for sure. And they've got a lot of WWE's money in their box office. So let's double that and get me to 300. And those are my payoffs because I get a healthy payoff out of tonight because, quote, unquote, I'm doing He turned heel on them on the contract. The money out of Gundarina's bank, not WWE's bank. And let's go to work. And he didn't like it. It sounds close to the said. same story. He just, ah, Jeff, you can't do that. I said, I totally. Yeah. And I said, Jim, look me, please look at me. Cause I really want you to understand where I'm coming from. You're absolutely right. You do not have to do this. Vince does not have to do this. Nobody has to do it. I'm wanting my money to, 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 and I'm talking about multiple pay-per-views, the scenario I'm not under contract. Let's just end this deal one way or another. But I says, you know as well as I do, tomorrow my value and payoffs are not even remotely important. They're kind of important today. But it's y'all's decision on how important they are, not mine. It's not my decision at all. Okay, I'm going to go talk to the old man. 30 minutes go by, 45 minutes go by, whatever it may be. And Jim and Terry walked up and said, go get your bag. Get dressed. We'll have it for you before you go to the ring. I said, okay. I went, and I'd seen China walking around multiple times 
you know, and he's and, nervous. It's her big night. It's her. And, and, and it, you know, not that it was my responsibility to be worrying about her personal feelings, but I did have some compassion for her. I really did because look, it was, it was her night and, and, and in so many ways, and she deserved every bit of it there, there without question. How many, I mean, I hadn't been in any good housekeeping matches, but I've been in plenty of ballroom brawls and moondog matches in there. So once we knew the match was going on, Pat and and I'm trying to think who else because I think Teddy Long, but so, but Pat goes, Jeff, I can't do his accent, but he's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw him a hell of a curve. And when he lays out that curve that it looks like I've, you know, DQ, whatever it was that I, I, I we're going to get out of it. And the belt didn't switch in hands. I just said, brilliant. I said, the people will come on glued. The false finish that we gave them is a DQ or whatever it was, but, but that was a Pat Patterson. I'm like, yeah, he held them off. Money. The truth. How much easier does it make oh, it on yeah. everybody? And when he comes back to visit you the second or third time, whatever it is. And you said, oh yeah, I mean. Still not as many times they fucked other people over. Oh, no, not but not by a long shot. Not by a long shot at all. So that's just a little preview of Jeff Jarrett's. Uh, it's like three hours. That's the first yeah. episode joining the podcast community. Yet another person. That's the first episode of Jeff Jarrett's My World. It's my world, my world. He's joining the, he's joining the slew of people with Conrad, Conrad Thompson as a co-host. Yeah, how does he co-host all these things? Right? Like, <laughs> keep in mind, people, I had no idea. I had not listened to a bit of that audio before time. I was joking when I said Conrad was going to be on there. Well, actually, only halfway joking because I'm pretty sure Conrad would have been on there. As many yeah, like, who else hurt. does it, right? Good old Conrad, boy. You can't have all my right. spot, Conrad, so no. Yeah, Conrad. Stop taking people's spots. Can't have mine. It's just mad. All right, let's do the weekly so we can wrap up here. Don't forget, guys, we're doing the poll in a little bit. We're, we're at the final stretch here. Uh, we're going to start off with NXT episode 453 from this past Tuesday with the Falls Count Anywhere match of Isaiah Swerve Scott against Leon Ruff. And uh, this was this was a good match. This had a weird finish because they, they used the finish to introduce uh, Leon Ruff's stable, essentially. Yeah. I mean, not Leon Ruff's stable. That'd be hilarious. Um, to introduce uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott's stable. And they start off with AJ Francis. So I'm going to actually let you guys look at a clip from that here because Leon Ruff's going for like a big spot. You must be outside your mind. So AJ Francis shows up and uh, he's a former NFL player. He's also a host on, on that A&E show, WWE's yeah. Most Wanted Treasures. Yeah, I actually watched a couple of clips of that earlier today. It actually looks, looks fun. Yeah, so he's somebody who he has a, a following to him. And he basically, he's quoted uh, as saying that... Uh, he says, I paid my dues just in a different matter. I know p some people don't like it when you don't do the indies, but that's when I was in the NFL. My story's different. I played in the NFL. I got a master's degree. I have two albums, and I've been on the tour for my music, but I never stopped loving wrestling. I went to every indie show I could, and I went to WrestleMania five different times before I ever signed. My dream is to be WWE champion. Until I'm WWE champion, my purpose on earth is not complete. 
that's why it's so cool to host this show, WWE's Most Wanted Treasures. It's the coolest thing to ever happen to me. I hope every wrestling fan watches to see a little bit of themselves in me. So, yeah, he's the host. That's his biggest thing is this. Uh, yeah, you like it too, George? This Most Wanted Treasure show? Yeah, it's actually, um, I haven't seen like a full episode yet, but I've seen several clips of it. Yeah, it looks, it actually looks pretty cool. I think the last one I saw was um, he was going through a storage container with The Undertaker. And they found uh, the mask from when he busted his orbital bone. The actually only one that apparently one. exists. This is really so. cool. And this is the most unique one. I should have the Unibomb stuff in them. Yeah, here it is. So, whoa. So that that's actually probably the most unique thing that I have. No, that is that is so cool that you have it. So this is the original like Unibomb. It's the only gauntlet. Only Unibomb gauntlet. I actually did the paint myself. I painted the face mask as well. Respect! It, no, it wasn't respect, dude. It's called... Didn't have any money to pay anyone! <laughs> what generally happens with a new character, the superstars themselves would create that first outfit. They would invest it in their gear and their look and their presentation. So they're very rarely willing to give up, trade, or sell their own wrestling memorabilia. This is a huge piece of history. And I'm willing to make you an offer on it. $2,000. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm out. $2,000 is a good offer, though. For who? For what? (laughs) It's a good offer. It's in the attic. It's a good offer. First of all, the money is going to go to East Tennessee Children's Hospital. So it's going for a great cause. Okay. Okay. I like that. Plus, I did the paint myself, dude. Are you crazy? You're making me look bad. No. I had to take a loan to get that. It's a part of history. Are you kidding me? How about four thousand dollars? Four thousand. Four thousand. The A and E original series, WWE's most wanted treasures. Wow. Tonight at ten. Them two big motherfuckers bother me. I'm gonna let them name the price. Fuck that shit. Yeah, tension in the air there, huh? <laughs> right. They in double chokes. I am position, bro. Don't do it. So that gives you a little backstory on who the uh, that guy was, the AJ Francis guy. The other person was Ashante D. Adonis, who was also was in football, college football, signed the contract with WWE in 2018. He was on SmackDown a couple of times. Yeah, and he was on 205 uh, against August Gray was uh, was his last match, April 23rd. Uh, and then the last one, the girl is Brianna Brandy. She's someone who did sports in high school, did hip hop, uh, toured with Soldier Boy and Jada Kiss, Corrupt, and the Yin Yang Twins, Too Short. She signed with the company in 2019 after she did a tryout in 2017. And her match was at the March 7th NXT house show in Orlando, where her and MJ Jenkins job out to Shotzi Blackheart and Casey Cantonzaro. So that is the stable. I should have had this them on screen. How irresponsible of me. The whole time I'm talking about them, I'm not putting a face to the thing. Like a rookie. Well, there you guys go for anybody. The impression is the <laughs> Isaiah Swerve. This is the Swervel. The Swervel. Oh, I need that to be what they call them now. I hope not. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Yay. Singles match. Asher Vale versus Cameron Grimes. Finish Caven to the moon. He actually says that when he does it now. Do you notice that shit? He jumped through the air when he's flying through the air. He goes, to the moon, thud. With that stomp. That is fantastic. That might be one of the most overcast phrases of the business right now. To the moon. I know that for fucking sure. Yeah, there's some fun stuff going on with that. 
I'm enjoying him, man. I gotta admit, they, they, that that's that goes to show that sometimes WWE circumstances and character development together work out really, really well. You know, no, that shows that NXT knows what they're doing. Next, we get a tag team match. Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa going up against the, the grizzled young veterans of James Drake and, and Zach Gibson with the finish being Thatcher. Basically, thwacks Zach Gibson with a shoe and taps him out. Yeah. He, that looked like he doubled down on the chant. Yeah, it was Wade for... Barrett's shoe on top of that. That was great. Karrion Cross does a promo. I'm not a fan. Nope. <sighs> the most underwhelming NXT champion I think I've seen so far. You think so? Like, holy crap, Balor might have not had the most exciting runs, but Jesus Christ, at least I wasn't going to sleep while he was talking. Yeah, no, I'm just not a fan of this guy, man. Like, I've, I've never been so relieved for the multiple interruptions in this promo. You know what's funny about him, though? And you're going to laugh when I say this. You know, you know who he sounds like? God, he yeah. sounds, remember when I say he just sounds like a regular guy who doesn't have that gimmick? He he sounds like sort of like Al Snow when you hear him. <laughs> like <laughs> listen to him. Go back there and prove anybody wrong. You have to come in oh here God, and prove right. yourself right. But don't get it twisted. I'm not going to wait for somebody to show up and stab me in the back. They know. Next week, Austin Theory. You can hear him going, what does everybody want? <laughs> he sounds like those guys they used to have when they would interview people before Strowman come out and whoop their ass. I just want to hear him say any man with two, two fists can fight. And now they're doing the role reversal thing here with him because uh, it's like now it's like they're making her sort of the silent one and like him the voice, which isn't good. Oh, flip that around. Let her talk. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, this became a clusterfuck or a fuster cluck because Pete Dunn comes out, Kyler Riley comes out, Finn Balor comes out, this breaks into a brawl, which Cross comes out on top, winds up even taking out security. But then Gargano and Austin Theory ambush him and then they retreat by car afterwards. So, uh, yeah, lots of chaos there. And nothing was accomplished for anybody. No, nothing really. I mean, I guess this was a plan of Gargano's or whatever from what we saw. And then they take off and they leave freaking... uh, Candice and Indy Hartwell to their match. Oh, who knows? Who knows what the hell the thing was there? Uh, you get a singles match. Saray versus Zeta Raymer with the finish being that, that it was two German suplexes. Two Germans followed by that Saito, which I think she's the only woman I've ever seen use a Saito suplex. Mm-hmm. Looks really good. Really solid stuff. Yeah. That, that uh, I swear to God, I, I pray for anybody who has to take that drop kick now. And you know the one that fucking up against. Oh the yeah, we showed we showed that last week. Your fucking face, like that. Yeah, I <laughs> just the fact that I know that's what it's gonna look like every time. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, we showed that last week. I won't show it every week, but yeah, she does have really brutal. Uh, I mean, all these kicks, so impactful, so precision. Point accuracy by Saray. Nice German suplex. Saray now looking to put the finishing touches. Oh, what a nasty landing. High on the back of the net. That has to be it. Saray. Really good stuff. Good for yeah, her. Great. All right, well, after that, you get a singles match here. You get LA Knight uh, against Jake Atlas. LA Knight with the BFT. So it looks like the old WWE version of the Dirty Deeds, number one, like a front face DDT type thing i guess i don't know i don't like him 
Don't like this guy. I already said that before. So I don't want to get too much into it's it. It's better than whatever that bullshit was. They gave him that hangman network, whatever the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. They just gave him the gravy train and kept it like that, but no, they had to change it. Yeah. Uh, Blood and Guts, to be honest, spoiler alert, had no sauce to it. That being said, match of the week for me, I feel, is now this NXT Women's Tag Team title street fight, which was absolutely incredible. This was Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart defending the championship against The Ways, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. Finish being Candice going over with the Wicked Stepsister. On a chair after Indy put Ember through a table. These, I mean, they really fuck each other up during this match. This is going to be the highlight reel from hell right here. You're going to have to try to help me keep up with the amount of things. And I can't even show it all because there's so much. First of all, before we get to this cavalcade of madness, congrats because damn it, Candace finally got her some gold. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. But yeah, this match was off the freaking wall. At this point, I felt so bad for everything else this week because nothing, it didn't matter what show it was on, was top of this. Mm-hmm. We'll start off with the stereo drop kicks with the garbage can. That's a little revenge for last week. Sandwich the shit out of that girl. That move always looks like it sucks so much because when you're on the inside of that trash can, you can't exactly time out when it's going to happen. No, you really can't. You just got to brace yourself for it. You know, ballsy spot. You got to be braced the second that thing goes over you. You know, and then of course, driving heart will face first into the four uh, set up stairs was another wild Bad one. Intentions almost on display. Moon now with Hartwell. Yeah, brutality. <laughs> uh, this, oh god, this match was all over the place. I think what was it? Um, was it Shotzi that put uh Candice through the announcer table? Uh, well, first there was this. I did like. I forgot to bring this up though. What the heck? Innovation right here. Hartwell. That's a. This was a. Did you get saved by the fire extinguisher here? Oh, yeah. right. on a I thought that she was going to be killed. I was like, oh my god, they're going to take her ass out. Goodbye. Good night. Denied. I thought the same thing. I was like, yo, she gets hit with that. It's, that's it for her night. Mm-hmm. Also, we had uh, this crazy spot. This was Shotzi sent on onto Candace through that ladder. This was brutal as hell. Oh, this one. The focus of the world on this oh. match. Fuck! What is going on, man? Yo, I some of these bumps I've seen Candace take. Oh, they scare me because that that I saw that and I was like, "Yep, that's it for Candace." Yeah, like <laughs> what are they doing there, man? These girls you know, the are too fearless. That ladder didn't even fully snap; it just popped on like one side. I just can't believe the level of shit that they're doing. It's almost like. Candace, I've always known as crazy. She just needed a crazy on the opposite side. And right. now it's like, it's going. I always told you guys that shit, man. I said, it's like, it's because there's nobody else. This is crazy. You guys don't understand her in the Indies. And now that we have someone fucking equally crazy. Now we're really starting to see it here. So, uh, scared as shit. And the worst part about it is she was with three other girls who also ain't scared as shit. Yeah, this was a brutal looking Alabama slam. Stop stealing finishers. Hardcore Hollies, Alabama slam. Cody Rhodes, Alabama slam. Cola, what you will. Alabama slam. Concussion Alabama slam here. Look at that. Ugh. No good. 
I've never seen somebody do one of those to a table. Like, that is nuts. Yeah, not good. Uh, also, that springboard moonsault when she's draped up against the side there. You know what I'm talking about here, right? Are we playing with a Somehow, Candice LeRae has found her way back into the match. Division. No surprise to see her continuing to what stand. What is this? Oh, she almost fucking <laughs> ate the canvas there, man. What the fuck? Oh my god. Yeah, they are absolutely crazy. And then Shotzi's announced table splash on Indy for the exclamation point here. Oh. Yeah, that nice. They had that nice announced table crunch too. Yeah. Wow. That's this is a. Uh, this is blood and guts. Oh my gosh, your blood and guts should have gone on first. It should have. It really should. For me, it did. I watched these out of order, thankfully. And uh, yeah. this was the last thing I watched. Because just for the record, for me, it's not that I didn't like blood and guts. It was just like after this, I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, now for me, it's that I didn't like blood and guts. It was really bad. I'll we'll get into why in a little bit. Indy hits the springboard elbow to the outside through the table onto Amber. I'm gonna give you guys that before we move along here. I just thought this was cool as well. Crazy. I love how smooth that looked too. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So there you go. That was a a bit of a highlight reel of just the wonderful things that happened. I believe that was the main event, was it not? Yeah, that was the that was the main event. They closed it out. Yes, they did. NXT with an overnight average of six seven hundred and sixty one thousand viewers, point eighteen in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, up a bit from last week's seven hundred and forty four thousand viewers. But they were down a bit because last week that point twenty two in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. The week before that, they were really high with the eight hundred and forty one thousand with a point twenty three in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. So, both weeks are a fall. This week slightly up from last week, and uh, yeah, how about it? Yeah. The NXT still killing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's talk about puss and guts. <laughs> <laughs> AEW Dynamite episode 84, Blood and Guts Special. Um, so this opens with a tag team match. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley going up against Kenny Omega and uh Nakazawa. Which now they call him MT Nakazawa. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, what does MT stand for? It's probably something stupid that I'm not even thinking. I'm going to be like, oh, very clever guys. <laughs> you know, because they do clever shit, right? Anyway, so uh, basically it finishes Kingston with the running clothesline into Moxley Saito suplex on Nakazawa. And then afterwards, the Bucks are on the ramp. The Good Brothers coming from behind with the ambush. Um, the match itself... Like, they have no tag team organization. Like, when it all starts and it breaks loose, like, even Jim Ross, he's like, is this a Texas Tornado tag? And Excalibur, who's always making excuses, he's like, you know, the ref is just struggling to keep things together. And I'm thinking, it's four guys, though. What are you keeping together? There are two guys in that corner and two guys in this corner. And it's your job 
to make sure that those two guys and these two guys are the legal men and that the illegal men stay in the corner. This is literally what's on your resume, my dude. Like, there's nothing to try to keep together. It's not like there's a whole stable out there fucking fighting. Why are four guys in the ring? Your literal job is to make sure that that never happens. That's your only job at this point. Thankfully, there's no manager. There's nothing going on but four fucking guys. But for some reason, Jim Ross is confused. He's like, is this a tornado? No, no. They're just trying to hold together. The point where it's like, there's no filter anymore. So like his real actual thoughts be popping out in the middle of this shit. Because I was confused. And it's like, there was just no disqualification. Like, it's like the the rules are just more like frowned upon. They're more like guidelines in AEW. You know? Uh, Yet Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson in the singles match against QT Marshall being accompanied by Aaron Solo, Anthony Agogo, and Nick Camarado. This couldn't be more fucking boring and uneventful than it already is. You know? Like, I don't know what they're thinking here. Cody rakes his eyes, rakes his back here. Dreaded back rake. And coming in just a running elbow strike, dropping QT Marshall with a misdirect. That's where Cody has to maybe rethink this. I, I see. And you see Bryce Rinsberg saying, come on, get back in the ring. I agree with that. Yeah, Cody's like letting his temper get the best of him. There you go. Double underhook from the top. I mean, at least that was okay, you know. Just to give like a little, I don't want to completely bury it because I am going to wind up burying it. But QT taps to the figure four after a series of unjustified spots. And I mean unjustified because it's like, for, for example, so at one point the ref's trying to take the belt away from QT Marshall. Uh, I mean, from Cody Rhodes, because Cody Rhodes is about to use the, the strap, his, 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 his weighted belt or whatever, right? And, uh, but while he's distracted fighting with the ref, QT uses the belt to strap Cody. But none of that suffices as a DQ or anything. And um, at one point during this match, Arn, who's Cody's manager, blatantly fucking hits QT during the match. And they literally brawl where they have a pull apart, where the two of them are between the, 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 the turnbuckle and they're, they're pulling each other apart. And still no DQ here. So that's just one problem with the match structure, that there, there's literally no fucking disqualification in this qualification match. But then you're pushing QT, who at the end of the day, QT is a good hand. But he's a fourth push, you know? Like, he's not a Timothy Thatcher or an Oni Larkin, which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to make a Timothy Thatcher or an Oni Larkin out of this guy where it's like he's an unlikely hand that turns out to be pushed. But he's not interesting enough. At the end of the day, it just looks like some middle-aged man out there wrestling. And it doesn't work. I understand that he has the fundamentals down, but he has no fucking business having this feud, dude. You know, at all. It's just, to me, to me, it's strange. And it's a waste. It's strange. And then, um, I, I got credit Stasis for pointing this out. But Cody Rhodes left WWE because he wasn't really happy with his positioning on the card and his positioning in the company and all the things he does, only to go to another company and then book himself just as shitty as they do. He's always curtain jerking. He's always the first match. He's always fighting some fucking job or somebody who doesn't have any prestige behind their name. He put himself in a situation where he can never be world champion. It's like he literally left WWE to then put all the fucking... He self-induced all the restrictions on himself that he left the fucking company for. You know, it was like everyone when Cody Rhodes left the view, everybody's like, all right, now he could do this and he could be a champ. He could be a top guy. And he is curtain jerking <laughs> with fucking like, QT well, Marshall. And we can't even be mad at AEW because this is what he wanted. He fucking booked it that way. He's the one who booked it where Brody Lee, as much as I like Brody Lee, he's the one who booked it where Brody Lee fucking took him out with one swing. You know, it's like this is a guy like th- this dude pushes himself sometimes even in worse than the position than WWE did. You know, so it's just baffling to see this shit. 
You know, but anyway, this is the fucking crap that they serve us for the first match of um, Blood and Guts. A couple of points where there should have been this qualification. A match against a middle-aged man. Like, I don't get it. Then they do this fucking spot here. What is this that we have this ass spot? Did you see the ass spot? What are we, back in the Billy Gunn era now? We're going to do ass man era shit? Because here we go where it's like, first of all, what's this? Is this dick grabbing here? Ass crack grabbing? Because that's also what I'm seeing here. This is what it looks like to me. Look at that. It's a dick grab, ass grabbing fucking spot here between these two. We don't have to blur it out so we don't see his ass there. You know, it's like, why is there an ass spot in this shit on top of everything else? The fuck are they doing? I don't need this nonsense from this company. They're not in good enough standings with me where I have time for an ass shot. You know, this is blood and guts, not ass and guts. There's a whole different kind of type of demographic right there. And then we have QT. There's a diamond cutter right here. Let me, let me put it on so, could, so for people who can see the screen. There's a diamond cutter like part right here, right? Over the finish line. He's it gets countered into counter. a backslide. Great counter there with the and then that gets countered into a botch buckle bomb. Look at he almost kills him right here. Look, whoop, whoop, whoop. Is it slippy? Is it slippy? Fucks that up. Has to redo the spot here. Grab him again. And now there he goes. Then we get the fucking achieve buckle bomb here. Achievement unlocked. Did the buckle bomb. Boom. And then we get this shit here, which was like the loop-de-loop tombstone oh thing, right? Watch this. So tombstone. Reversal. What was that? Let me tell you the problem I have with that spot. That only works one reversal. You only get the reverse one time, and that's it. Now it looks like a fucking circus act here. Look, they're reversing tombstone into reverse, and then Cody hits him. That should be good enough. That should be fucking good enough. You just hit him with the tombstone. No, but that's a fucking two count in this company. Against QT Middle Age. That's a two count for anybody else in any other company that hits the tombstone. How about just have nobody else but Taker hitting the fucking tombstone? Against QT fucking Middle Age. Unbelievable, dude. Unfucking believable. Triple A to TNA to MLW. Nobody else hits the tombstone and wins matches. And then Excalibur. I don't know how come. And Excalibur. I don't know how people enjoy him. After this horse shit, he has enough to go, wow. It only gets bigger. He says some shit like, wow, what a show. It only gets bigger from here. I was like, I would hope fucking so. Because we got a shitty singles match here that had this like, this didn't, this didn't scratch any itches for me. I wish I could say that this is what, that it gets better from here. But no, it does not. Because then we get fucking, um, this new Scorpio Sky shitty gimmick where he's a heel and his jobber friend. What's the jobber white friend he hangs out with? Oh, God. oh yeah, it's like Ethan Page. Ethan Page, I forget, I literally wrote mine with Jobber White Friend, Scorpio Sky and Jobber White Friend, he's still, I'm not gonna remember that's Ethan Page, who the fuck is that, anyway, so Scorpio Sky, who actually has been getting momentum with SCU, but now he's with Jobber White Friend, um, and they're talking, and they're bragging about fucking up a 60-year-old Sting, oh, we beat up Sting, we fucked up 60-year-old Sting, who's retired, you know, it's like, that's the way to get these new heels, it's like this new young team that's hungry and shit, and fucking up 60-year-old Sting, they had his AARP benefits fucking revoked or whatever, I don't know what they're doing here, but they're bragging about that shit. <laughs> This fucking show is a joke. So then Darby attacks them here. They're they're fighting in the fucking rafters for whatever reason. Darby takes a bump here. A very unsafe bump, even though there's a better, safer way to take this bump. Cornette talked about this too, and I was thinking about that. I was like, there's better ways to do that. But he takes this crazy-ass bump. They have to stop doing shit like this. First he climbs up here. How much do I have to watch? That was a cool coffin drop, though. I give him credit for the coffin drop. Yeah, he fights his way up the rafters. But see, this bump here, man, this it has to be a line with shit like this, man. Like, there's no line with Darby. We used to have, I just have this as long ago. The kid's fucking un- un- indestructible. Yeah, but he doesn't book the show, you know what I mean? Darby's face 
Everybody who books the show knows Darby's down, right? And do you think you'd hear a line like that driving Darby's face into those Louis Batons? Oh, yeah, you manly man, you. What is happening? I feel like this is like a cross dimension. Look at how they... Dude, look at that fucking bump, man. It's not unnecessary. And then Cornette points out that if you're going to do something like that, you always want to be have the cameraman shooting upward because it gives more of a perspective of how far the descent is, which he makes a valid point about. And that's an underlying theme that happens throughout this entire episode is that the camera's never where it needs to be or where it should be, which is going to bring us to the marvelous finish of the whole fucking night that could have been avoided. But this cameraman is just never where he needs to be, never doing what he needs to do. They shouldn't... They should know to be at the bottom shooting that shit at the top. Cornette shouldn't be telling them. They talk about Cornette telling them, why should he have to tell you? Cinematography-wise, why the fuck didn't you know to be at the bottom shooting up? TNA would have known. Anyway, let's continue his blood and pus. He's only got that hard camera. But yeah, Britt Baker guess, kills a random jobber. <laughs> on blood and guts. As you can see, I'm literally trying to get to these weeklies as fast as I can because I am not for it this week. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, the, 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 and I'm going to sh- share that, that out for you guys, too. Like the Darby even, Allen like one. Even SmackDown managed to make me sad, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so Britt Baker versus, uh, was there with Rebel against Julia. Someone, you know, Julia looks like someone left their kid at ringside. <laughs> it looked like this little kid. I was like, like, yo, like, fuck the fuck is going on? This is blood and guts. I don't understand so, why. Like, someone needs to help me understand why Britt Baker, someone who's a big talent like that, this is again like with Cody. Why why didn't Cody do something better with himself? This is blood and guts. It's not a regular dynamite. Look, Brigitte B- Baker's fighting this kid. Who is she? Like 17? Some fucking child at ringside. One thing I did hear, I don't know if you had heard this before, but apparently the only live match that happened this whole actual night was the blood and guts. No, that's not exactly what it is. We'll get into that when it happened, but there was some taping involved. There definitely was taping and things like that going on. Um... You got the AEW World Tag Team title number one contender four-way tag match. They could shorten that name. The acclaimed Anthony oh, Bowens oh, and Matt oh, Caster. Yeah, going against uh, the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman and Je- Griff Garrison against FCU's, SCU's Chris, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian against the Jurassic Express Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt, of course, being out there, finished being the BME Tombstone. What's that called again? The best uh, Tombstone the best ever. ever. The best Melzer ever. Right, right. Which uh, about Varsity Blondes, if you have not seen the second half of Dark Side of the Ring with Brian Pillman, it is excellent. Awesome, awesome. Actually, a really Good cool know. story about exactly what happened that made Brian Pillman Jr. want to do this, because he didn't originally want to. But Yeah, and of course, it wouldn't be an acclaimed entrance without me playing this. This was hilarious. Here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen. Listen. It's the acclaimed two sexy kids about to make Daniels quit the wrestling biz. Varsity Blonde, you're a temporary thing. In 10 years, you'll be on dark side of the ring. Jungle, let's slap you like you John Stossel. Luchasaurus, I'ma turn you to a fossil. Yo, I'll slap you. We gonna take the tag belts off those two young cucks. Yo, he said, I'll slap you like you're John Stossel. You think it's fake? <laughs> <laughs> these guys, I'm sorry. It, it could be the shittiest AEW, but as long as I see these guys, I'm smiling. Because they're so fucking funny. <laughs> Those guys are good, man. That was some good shit. Head, I want to believe. Yeah, keep going. In my head, I want to believe that that's just literally off the top of the fucking head. There's no way it's too good to be off the top like, of the head. No free plan, no nothing, because it's delivered too crisp. Oh, oh man. 
10 years you'll be on Dark Side of the Ring. Ain't that a bitch? Mm hmm. Too Definitely. soon, sir. Too soon. I couldn't believe it when that happened. You know. But yeah, this blood and guts didn't have much blood or guts, to be honest. Like, this is, they have to stop giving these special labels because it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't measure up, man. You know? But Daniels and Kaz at least go over because they have that stipulation where the next time they lose, they retire, right? They've been, well, the next time they lose, they'll break up as a team, which they've actually yeah, been quite on, on quite a which, hot streak, I think. On. It's just such a silly to have a self-imposed stipulation like that. Like when Ric Flair had it, he didn't do it. I think it was Vince that did it, right? Or someone yeah, that did it. Yeah, Vince because Flair didn't want to retire. Yeah. Well, John Moxley's next opponent for the IWGP US title was announced. You didn't think I was going to hear what you said about me? You didn't think that message was going to get passed across the Pacific? You think it's just going to go right over my head? Uh-huh. You called me a little punk. A little punk. I came to you with respect. I wanted to give you a shot at the IWGP United States Championship. I invite you to Dynamite with respect. I wanted to share the ring with the great legend, Yuji Nagata. The great thing about this business is no matter how long you've been in it, even a legend like Yuji Nagata can always learn something. And Yuji Nagata will learn that your mouth can get you in trouble, especially when you're fixing a step in the ring with the baddest son bitch in this game, John Moxley, especially when a championship is on the line. I'm gonna kick a hole through your chest. I'm gonna squeeze your neck. Squeeze every ounce of oxygen you have left in your body. I'm gonna dump you on the top of your head. We've always wondered for a long time, when is Yuji Nagata finally just not gonna get back up again? Well, I'll tell you this. It's coming pretty soon. Once that bell rings, I got no respect for anyone. Well, next week here... promos always scare me because I'd be scared for somebody else's lighter and that shit. That's pretty cool, man. I'm excited. We're going to get Blue Justice. That's, that's going to be a battle. If you've never yeah. seen Yuji Nagata in the ring, be ready, people, because this motherfucker's been around for a long time for a reason yeah that's gonna be good stuff right he there. has one of my cool he has one of my favorite finishers being um that arm bar just because they the eyes face the eyes he makes where he anything. rolls his eyes into the back of his head when he's doing like, it like, like he's you using... know you're <laughs> fucked the second his eyes roll back even japan pops when he does that shit with his eyes he looks like he's possessed like he's trying with all his might to submit you with that shit yeah i love yeah. him man blue justice that is a classic man right hey. there this is going to be a big deal because, once again, true crossover. I believe this is the first time, I think, since Omega won the belt, that that belt's going to be on the line over the States. Yeah, so that's going to be cool to see. Definitely yeah. something. Definitely something else. That's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. So, Kenny Omega comes out. Well, remind me again what his announcement was. Um, Basically, that there was going to be... um. 
let's see, a battle between Pac and Orange Cassidy for the right to uh, challenge right. the double or nothing. Right, exactly. And, uh, I mean, obviously it's going to be Pac, right? Well, I would figure so, yeah. But then, considering the fact that Cassidy came out, they're kind of swinging this way. This could go either way. But if you want a more compelling match, you definitely give us Pac because Pac's beaten him before. Yeah. Well, one thing to note when out here is you have Nakazawa carrying these titles, as you can see in the screenshot. Should that oh, be the yeah, screenshot, or should it be, or, or should it be Cody's dick grab? It's a tough one, right? Maybe this. This looks good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. this. I, I don't feel That's like it. I don't think there should ever be a screenshot where somebody's getting groped. Yeah, I agree with you there. Bully Ray tweets. He says, "If I'm management or owners of Impact Wrestling, I'd be fucking fuming that their World Heavyweight Championship was being carried out by Naka Nobody and not at least over the shoulder of Omega. Perception is reality. What are your thoughts on on Bully Ray's perspective here?" So. Here's where I have to disagree with him on this one, because Omega's a heel. He's supposed to be an uber asshole. How do you be an uber asshole? Put the title on the help. And truth be told, at the end of the day, if I'm impact management, I'm just glad my belt is somewhere else besides Twitch. So, like, I can understand where he's coming from, but it's not like it's not like this whole time that Omega's been a heel. He's just been the regular cookie cutter heel like he's going to be as out there as he possibly can impact like fans have been music once snapping like west side story at a certain <laughs> point you have to expect over top shit with omega impact fans have been arguing that uh aew has been snubbing impact on the promotional aspect of things this entire time anyway like they never talk about impact on their own show i guess is what their argument is and that this is really no different that they just kind of feel snubbed in this whole thing i kind of feel like the whole arrangement only benefits them anyway Right. Impact like, only impact can gain from this. Because their impact fans are tuning in to watch I mean AEW fans are tuning in to watch Omega. And it's like even when I try to stick on for the rest of this stuff, it's not palatable, man. It's just like their 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 product as always is fucking lacking. You know, it's like they're like the T V dinners of wrestling. They're good when you just want something. You but know? when you have options, you're not picking them. Yeah, you're not gonna be stabbing a fork into plastic tonight, motherfucker. There's not been one time <laughs> I have used DoorDash and gone for the hamburger helper. Yeah, you know, that's what they are. They're the hamburger helper of fucking things, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like, I feel like, if, I feel like if Bully Ray hadn't been a former champion, that comment would have never came out. Like, he's a heel, bro. You not understand why I fucking Vince Russo on that. That was great. Like, he's a heel. If you're a heel, what do you do? You do heel shit. You know what heel shit is? Pissing off the company who you stole their world title. How do you yeah. do it? Put it on Nakazawa. Did you have a point? Valid points on both sides. All right. Well, we now get to talk about this blood and guts tag team match, which I was going to go straight into the finish, but I honestly can't go straight into the finish. I don't think that we should start there because we're going to have to end there, at least when yeah. it comes to the, the AEW. So a couple questions here. At this point, I'm not even reporting. I'm I'm confused, too. What the fuck happened to Hager's head? I don't know. Did you see Hager's head in the beginning of this? I was like, I was wondering, I was sitting there, I, I looked at it and I was like, interesting paint screen scheme, but why? Was it paint though? Yeah. I couldn't tell what he painted on there, but yeah, he painted it on. It just looked like his head was bleeding. No, no. The lines were too straight. <laughs> that was my exact thought. Because I was like, wait, no, the lines are too straight. That's paint. Yeah, look at this. You see how weird that is? Can I get that larger? 
Look at his fucking head, man. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was supposed to symbolize, but yeah. It's supposed to be the American flag? For a minute, that's what I was thinking. And this looks like shit. Yeah, that didn't... In theory, that was a good idea. That did not work out. Yeah. America, fuck no. I give credit. Let's talk some spots here so I can go home. But uh, I give credit to Guevara. This was a War Games match, essentially. This doesn't have the right to the War Games name, even though Dusty invented the fucking thing. There's irony there. But I give credit to Guevara for this double springboard cutter that he hits here. The next guy. Well, it looks like he's readying himself to the... That means Sammy's got to withstand but the double springboard. Very solid. Very good look. What I, one thing I did like when it came to the visual of this, it looks massive compared to the war games that we see in um in NXT. I don't know yeah, if it's it just does. the way AEW builds their rings or what, but I was like, yo, these guys have a ridiculous amount of room to work with. Mm-hmm, they really did. Sean Spears and Guevara do a really Bobby cool Spanish fly spot here. This is my favorite Tony spot. Tony Khan busted open today. It was going to be brutal. It's unpredictable. It's everything and more. Spears and Guevara on the top row with the chair into the... And the Spanish fly! My God! Yeah, really cool. You know, this stuff here that works. The younger guys are definitely uh, doing some cool stuff there. That being said, I got to take a little bit of credit away from Sammy because he does botch something pretty badly. Um, he falls fucking, he basically busts his ass. I'll bring it up on screen here so you can see here. And remember, the two-minute countdown is going on. The next man to enter this match will be from the pinnacle of Navarro. Oh. Yeah, man, in rough time, Sammy. Yeah, he completely collapsed there. I get it. It happens. It's slippery, all kinds of shit going on. But yeah, he completely fucking fell there. This is coming in the wake of him having stories about being unsafe, which I've never found him to be, but that just felt like an unfortunate yeah. fall. It um, felt like he didn't. It looked like he didn't set his feet as well as he could have. It came back and bit him. But yeah, he's never really been unsafe. He just a little crazy at times, but not really unsafe. Mm-hmm. Cash Wheeler was out there. Santana and Wardlow. Um, there was this nasty gut wrench that he hit Guevara with. Man, Sammy Guevara's selling scares me. This and wasn't selling though. This was selling. None of it. I would say that none oh. of it was. Ortiz, Santana, Guevara, all ready to face off with Mr. Mayhem himself. Look at how he hit Sammy here. This is crazy. Still at a disadvantage. They got three members behind them up and one in front of them at the pinnacle. And they're trying to overwhelm Wardlow. Wardlow manhandling people. Oh! Just gut wrenching. He just tossed him, man. <laughs> so Hager's next, then MJF, then uh, Jericho's finally out there. That's when things start to sort of fall apart. FTR's tearing the canvas off of the apron, but that took like way too long. Like I don't know what went wrong there, but it just felt like there was just some weird shit there. Yeah, you gotta do that like in one go, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy always looks good because it looks like they don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I did like the double spike pile driver spot Sammy had with the FTR guys here. The wood, the floor. They've got Santana and Ortiz. They're looking for the pile driver on the exposed pine. Ortiz and Santana, they're fighting out of it. Oh. Sammy Guevara. Somebody's going to get it. Coming up. The spike pile driver on the exposed. 
brutal. Really brutal. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Which also yeah. props to um Satan and Ortiz because even though they all had the prison looking outfits, Satan and Ortiz look like they've been in this shit before. Yeah, definitely. Especially Santana. I was I looked scared of him the whole match. Mm-hmm. Sammy hits the coast to coast. So there's a lot of Shane McMahon going around in this match because Sammy hits the coast to coast. I believe it's on Sean Spears oh, here. Is he gonna go coast to coast? He is. He's gonna attempt oh, Sammy, 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 Sammy. Look at the contusions on his daughter. Yeah, another really cool spot there. I don't think I've ever seen a coast to coast that long before. Mm-hmm. Hager and Wardlow have like this really weird botched moment. Let me see if I could bring it to you here so that you can see this. Amazing elevation. And Wardlow is just a double leg on Hager. Not many Watch men this. can do that to Jake Hager. No, nobody can. That's a- oh! Man, that's an equalizer right there. Right across the, across the knee. Right in the spine. Now we're going street. Whoop. Oh, my God. Whoop. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> He dropped him, then they had to pick him up and continue the spot. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a little bit sloppy there. Uh, So Jericho winds up climbing, chasing MJF to the top of the cage, and he has the walls of Jericho applied on him. But then MJF elbows Jericho on the balls. There's a lot of ball play in this fucking episode. And uh, then he counters him with the salt of the earth, a.k.a. the Fujiwara armbar. This somehow culminates into this horrible finish where... He has the best of Jericho, and he has him, like, on the ledge, right? And he's threatening to throw him off if they don't quit. I do like the fact that it was, because of how this angle's gone, with it always being MJF and Sammy, I do like that it was Sammy he specifically made say we quit. Yeah, so Sammy that he makes say that we quit. Uh, Now, if you guys recall, in his last promo, MJF said that, uh, he was going to beat Jericho and then he was going to thank him for his spot. Long story short, uh, he beats him because Sammy has to quit. And then he looks at Jericho and you can't really see it very well. But after he throws him down, he says, thank he you. chased up there and it was a hell of a battle. On Prophecy top. fulfilled. They, they, they submitted to protect Chris Jericho. Wait, wait. No, come on. Hey, he's a sick little bastard. I'm telling you. He's, he's up oh, on what do we see? Get the doctor there quick as you can. Chris Jericho thrown off the top of that steel cage. God Almighty. Jericho may have, have broken his back. MJF. Here it is again. Look at this. Oh, let's see if I love you there. Throwing Jericho off the top of the steel. <sighs> what are your thoughts? You know. When I saw that landing, my first thought was Rikishi would be proud. <laughs> and yeah, that would have looked a lot more appealing if we didn't see the impact. Because the problem with that is that, that it looks like steel grading till you see something hit it that hard. And you watch how easily it folds. And it's like, mm, that shit was safe as hell. First of all, it wasn't because it's all cardboard. 
That was a dumb idea. They should have had something safer than cardboard. They painted cardboard to look like metal grating. Secondly, just in the shot I have on the screen alone, Jericho's peeking through one eye. He's supposed to be unconscious, and you can see him throughout this entire segment peeking through one eye, talking to people. Look at this. He's so obviously fucking there. You know, he doesn't look or then he closes his eyes and pretends to be out again. You can also see that if you're going to paint cardboard to look like steel grates, at least have the fucking common sense to paint the other side of the cardboard. The parts that are now sticking up, you can see that the back of it is cardboard paint both sides so even though we know it's cardboard it's still arguable what kind of a prop you use you paint the cardboard or you have cardboard that looks like still gray but on the other side it still looks like regular fucking cardboard you see look at it look at when it sticks up from the bottom it's car fucking board if only i could put that as the episode title it's card fucking board and they're gonna try to show it again which the angles once again just like the other thing the angles would have been cooler there's so much they could have done they should have had a camera up there so they could catch mjf uh pushing him down and saying the thank you before he pushed him then they could have panned out and given a wide shot like they've done in many wwe cage bumps as he descends so you could get a sense of height but they didn't do anything like that you know or have it to where you don't even see him hit like Something that just doesn't anything, anything but what they did. But the fact that it's cardboard, man, that's really what kills this whole thing. Like, look at it. And then they're over on time here, which I heard that they cut some of the stuff short in the middle of the like in the Guevara part in the beginning when he starts the match. They shorten that by a minute, but then they wind up with an extra minute at the fucking end here because they're clearly trying to end the show, but they have more time than they're supposed to. So that didn't work out either. And then there's the fact that he fell on cardboard that you could see his cardboard blood and guts. You know what I mean? Like blood and guts. Shotzi Blackheart put out a gif of a of a girl falling gently on her pillows on her bed at exactly 10 p.m. Wednesday night. I don't know if it's related with this, you but I'm just saying. <laughs> Wednesday 10 p.m. You you yeah, I know it's related. Wednesday 10 p.m. She put out a fucking thing on a pillow, and then AEW fans are saying, "Oh, it's like you guys are monsters. You wanted you wanted this guy to really take a, a unsafe bump and all this other stuff." No, you it's it's the repetition of seeing people do things that could have been done better for no reason. There's no reason Britt Baker couldn't have a real match. We know that she's a really good wrestler. Why the fuck was she out there with somebody's kid? You know, there's no reason why Cody Rhodes couldn't be somewhere higher in the card and not deal with QT Marshall. We don't need a few with Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. He's capable of so much more. There's no reason why Darby couldn't have taken a safer bump down the steps and it looked better. Coming from a down angle, looking upward, and showing the kid how to do a fucking work bump so he's not literally shoot falling down the steps like that. And there's also no reason why with the Jericho spot many things couldn't have been done to make it better they could have made the where well, you don't see the bottom they could have painted both sides of the steel thing the, the the steel grate they could have just had the bump fucking done better they could have had the part where the, the camera where you can see him say uh you know thank you before he pushes him the, the drama of it they could have not shortened the Guevara match by a minute and then wind up with an extra minute of MJF just awkwardly standing on the fucking cage they could have if they were going to cut anything they should have cut the part where FTR's fucking up the ring apron because that's what took the extra minute that they were trying to win back that they didn't need in the first fucking place so where is the silver lining in all of this yeah the guys that are in this did good spots that we talked about but aside from that like the whole show fucking falls apart and this isn't what you mean nitpicking. This was just me looking, observing this show, expecting to see certain ups and downs. And it was just like, man, you guys don't, you guys are not putting together good shows at all anymore. You know, Shayna Baszler tweeted out and she said, we don't actually want a village to be burned by a dragon in Game of Thrones. If they did that, that would be really bad. But if the special effects would have been garbage, it would have sucked also. And everyone would have said so. And she's right. Shayna Baszler makes a valid point, which also indicates that she was watching. It's like, we're not saying kill the guy. Obviously, we want Jericho to fall, but don't do, the, don't do it in a way where it looks bad. 
you know, and the fact that I have to be on here giving camera angles and, and suggestions, it it should be justified even as a fan if I came my hand and said, I don't know what the fuck you should have done, but you should have just done it better. But I'm saying there are things that could have done that would have just made the whole fucking thing. And like Stasis, a sheetrock, anything, cardboard, man, cardboard wasn't was a liability. That's not even that safe. I just can't fucking believe that this is what this show's been reduced to and that they put us through that, you know? It's like, I almost didn't want to watch after this. Like, I, it gets to the point where if it wasn't for certain things, I'd fucking quit this first, before Raw. Yeah, Raw has its issues. But this is, like, becoming a joke, you know? Like, 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 like I, this is the second time now that there was a big thing built up and then the finish was a poof, a literal poof. The first was the explosion, which was a poof, and this was an actual poof onto fucking cardboard. We're giving them way too many excuses, man. Way too many excuses. If this was any other company, if this was WWE, we'd be fucking burying them, dude. We'd bury the shit out of them for some of the stuff that we're seeing here, you know? And now we're going to get to the stuff that you mentioned because to top it off, you're right. According to, to Melser, he's saying that when the show started, Tony Khan went out and he said, okay, this is the deal. The first hour of this show is taped, so we're going to be playing it on the screens. But your noise and the crowd noise is in the match, so cheer and boo like you would. So for the first half of, of Blood and Guts, they were just watching a Tron. But the noise you're hearing when you watch it, that's actually the crowd reacting to a screen that they're watching. You know, and this was uh, the matches were taped a couple of weeks ago and he offered a refund. And there were five people who wanted a refund. Apparently, everybody else stood. So that first half was them watching a screen. The crowd sound you're hearing is for the people watching the screen that you are also watching, if that makes any sense. And then it goes all live for the second half. So that, that, I mean, I guess because of the way that they were putting together the cage and stuff or whatever, they might have whatever statistical reason. That's a small thing to me at this point. We're lucky we're getting anything alive as it is, you know. But that being said, this got really um, this got a bad rep amongst, uh, I guess, wrestling communities as well as like the WWE itself. They said that it's painting a, pa- a bad image for pro wrestling because there was a lot of blood and guts. I didn't even talk too much about it, but if you guys go back and watch this match, everybody blatantly has razors. When when Jericho's on the top of the cage and he's and he's um teasing the tapping of the salt of the earth, he has a fucking razor between his fingers on the hand that he's going to tap with. If you go back and watch this match and just watch hands, these guys don't know how to blade properly. And when they do blade, the blading doesn't even look good. The cuts, they don't get much color. Like the color isn't really there. And it's obvious where they're holding the blade a lot of the fucking time it's like to the point where it's like it's embarrassing when you go and you really look at it. if you're watching some of the signaling and the blading it's all off and I, it's to a point where i don't even understand how I, I just don't get the mistakes that i'm seeing that are being made it's at a red alert level if you really start to look at some of the shit that's happening it's like at a fucking red alert level now man and i don't like that but yeah there are people that are basically saying especially in wwe the creative team was saying that this is just a bad look on the industry and uh basically how the just the jericho thing he just wants to be shane mcmahon now with some of the consensus going around um dave dave shearer from pw insider said the ww management was upset because um they said that they felt there was something that set the business back like 30 years and that um but there were wrestlers that had the opposite reaction said that they would like to do something like that themselves but you know it's just it's this needed to i don't know what and it's, again, there's spots I pointed out that I said were interesting and things, but when I just look at the big thing, this is this, this is a lot of fucking mistakes. The cameraman doesn't know what he's doing. The guys don't know how to blade properly. They don't know how to hide the blade. Someone like Jericho should know better. You're tapping with your blade hand. Like, if this was seven years ago when I was f- passionate about this, because if uh, there's no if there's no secret here that I have a bit of podcast and wrestling burnout. If this was seven years ago when I was passionate, I wasn't blinking. I'm sure there's shit there that I didn't catch. That's even worse. You know, I'm trying to be easy. And this is me pulling punches on them. 
You know, I never wanted it to be like this, especially with people that I've been following since the Indies. But, uh, you know, I think that it's time that we start holding these guys up to up to standard, man. It's not because you want to see them succeed because you, you have some fucking respect for yourselves. Like you can't like something blindly to the point where you don't judge it at all. And that's what AEW is becoming. And it's becoming like TNA used to become, where it became like a cult more than it became like a wrestling company. And where if you weren't part of that cult and you said anything bad, they hated everything about you. And I went through that before, and I don't like that look. Because that's going to be famous last words of, that's how you make a company lose credibility. And you're not going to want to do that. You know? That's just, like I said, these are all just things that are like food for thought. Uh, Lance Storm, he was on uh, Wrestling Observer. He was speaking with Brian Alvarez. And, uh, I think Lance Storm, however, I've listened to his, I've read his blog before there were podcasts. I thought he was always been an insightful wrestling mind. He made some valid points in regards to the fact that a lot of people, including Alvarez and Melser and people who seem to be in AEW's pocket or seem to be part of the AEW hype, they will not acknowledge this kind of shit, but they'll talk about the WWE stuff. Um, I wanted to play a little bit. I'm going to link you guys to the whole thing, but just listen here. Go ahead. I think you... I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think you also have a different perspective than the average fan in that as a reporter, you cover all of the other aspects of the business. And I think you've established an opinion of their lack of respect for you as a fan and so forth. And I think your judgment would be different. I think if there was someone who wasn't reporting on the inner workings and knowing the different attitudes and stuff that goes behind it and knows that, you know, you've talked to Tony Khan and Tony Khan is really trying to make an effort to deliver and so forth. I think your opinion is a little um, based on information outside of the context of the actual minutes of the show, because I, I think no, because oh, let me give you a good example. I'll give you a good example. So I watch. I'm just going to use just the dumbest storyline that they're doing, but Randy Orton and The Fiend, okay? I hate this storyline. It's stupid, all right? Everybody does. But, like, dude, you burn The Fiend to a crisp. You burn him alive, he's dead, okay? He comes back, and they did that angle with Randy Orton where, like, Randy is going to light the guy on fire, but then he doesn't. He'd rather give him an RKO, and then The Fiend doesn't sell the RKO at all. And he lays out Randy Orton. And then two weeks later, we have just a, a straight wrestling match with no stipulations. And Randy Orton hits the RKO he had two weeks earlier, and he pins the guy. Like, it's things like that where, as a fan, what? Yes, but He pinned the guy to, with one RKO. Yeah, I, I agree with you that that doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, I think you have a built-up intolerance for WWE, where you have a established acceptance for AEW, because I will throw the other way, that I saw Britt Baker get beat to a bloody pulp, pile-driven through a table, and soundly defeated in the main event of Dynamite, and then the next week, I was treated like I was dumb enough to not realize that she lost the match, because they brought her out and celebrated, and I never saw the winner again. So I think you can find examples in both shows that the booking makes no sense and feels insulting. And then again, after that big loss, she says she's going to become the number one contender. I never see her wrestle again until she comes out and says she's the number one contender. It's like you can find examples where the booking insults you on both, on both, on any wrestling. You see what I mean though? And that's the show that says that wins and losses count. You know what I mean? Like, wins and losses count, and, like, that number one contender shit, he, he makes a good point about it. You know? Can't disagree with him. You know, there's just stuff like that, that that's really concerning. 
that being said, they're back over a million again. So, you know, they, they have their loyal fans because the AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts did 1.9 million, 0.42 in the 18 to 49 demographic. And for the first time in history, they were number one on cable. As opposed to last week where they were at 889,000 with a .33 in the, in, the eight, in the 18 to 49 demographic. So think about that. They went up back to 1.9 million from the 1.219 million. So it's not as high as the first time, but they jumped. And that .42 is the highest. You know what I mean? As right. far as they, they were the number one on cable. Number one on Wednesday the entire time they've been around. Yeah. So, they, I mean, there is there is a demand. It's just that... They need to do something because now you got to ask yourself, I wasn't pleased. This is the second time now that something was hyped up. I wasn't pleased. Is that 1.9 million going to come back next week? Is that 0.42 in the 18 to 49 demographic going to come back next week? Was this enough? The the last thing that they're going to remember is that fucking fall, that Jericho bump. You know, and, and it won't be blood and gut, guts next week. Once again, it'll be a regular AEW. So we're playing this game again where it's like, are we going to be back at uh, almost a little under 900,000? And when the, and, and how many times do you dig into the well and you make something a special event before it's just looked at and they're desensitized and you just hover over that eight, 890,000, 900,000? I just see a lot of red flags here, man. A lot of red flags. The one thing I'll say about it, and this is somebody who I wouldn't like to say I'm blind to it but I guess I do give them a little bit more flack. The reasoning behind me being so hard on WWE is these guys have been around here for 30 years longer than I've been alive. And when we get to SmackDown, what the fuck was that with the fist? Like, they have enough money and resources to where we shouldn't be getting that kind of shit. Not to give any kind of, like, leeway to AEW, because, yeah, if you're going to give me blood and guts, you don't give me a finish like that. But yeah. when I look at it, I've always been the kind of person where if, I, if I'm looking at two different types of people, I'm looking at the guy who's been here longer. That person's getting the more shit because it's like there's certain things that by now you should already long know. Don't do that. Like the yeah. whole Eva Marie thing. We got three Eva Marie promos last night. Nobody wanted her back once. Yeah. If there's one thing, what? and you can write it down, if there's one thing that AEW oh, we've God. learned from is just don't do that. You know? Don't do having, yes. having Nakazawa carrying your titles, don't do that. Jericho falling onto cardboard? Don't do that. Burt Baker fighting a fucking jobber? Don't do that. Cody Rhodes curtain jerking with QT Marshall? Don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Just don't do that. Don't do that. You know? I don't know. I keep the Nakazawa thing just because it's an asshole move. What? I I, I keep the Nakazawa thing just because that's just douchey and it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's your AEW report. There, obviously, they they um they're doing really good in their time slot, better than NXT. I enjoyed NXT much better. I think that the girls' match had more blood and guts than it than anything. Uh, now, as far as SmackDown goes, it was gonna open with Pat McAfee doing a uh, an imitation, which I've affectionately labeled Pat McMcAfee because he was gonna yes. be doing a Mr. McMahon impression, but it got cut from the show, according to him. That being said, they did put it on their social media here, so uh. I guess we'll run that and I'll share it for you guys. Good evening, sir. Ah, good evening. Ah. Take it. Welcome. 
to Friday Night Smackdown Throwback Edition. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I can't so, there wasn't really too much of a nostalgia trip or too much of a throwback to the Smackdown. It opens with like a nostalgia intro. Boy, got the fist. But then there's nothing more nostalgic than the Thunderdome, right? Just seeing a bunch of fucking screens is the first thing. Um, and then also SmackDown was from the late 90s. You know what I mean? It was it, The reason why they did this, it was I can't even fully blame WWE. This was cross-promotion because it was a throwback weekend for Fox because NASCAR was doing some sort of a throwback thing. So this was more of a promotional thing for them that just WWE gimmicked it up. Uh and yeah, I guess they CG'd in the fist, but honestly, that's the least of my fucking concern. What I wanted to have him bring a big fist out there for what? So Did we can have, have a fucking fist? Because I had to hear wrestling fans all week long. I hope they bring back the fist. Are they going to bring back the fist? They can bring back the fist. Why? At it's not even point, their thing. It's a, do the, don't bring back the fucking fist. It's a do Fox like thing. Every Who cares? year, don't bring back the fist. It's the show that's more my concern. Uh, so Roman's faction comes out, you know, which... Uh, by the way, for anyone that's wondering, that Paul Heyman part where he does a 10-bell salute for Daniel Bryan, which he dings himself, that was not scripted. It was completely Paul Heyman shooting. There was nothing planned that. That's to be my Romans corpsing during that because they found it funny. <laughs> they completely did, they did that shit by themselves. I don't know what was supposed to happen there, but that was just them. Maybe they just do whatever they want. We hear that they have a lot of control when it comes to the Roman Reigns angle, so maybe nobody knew what they were going to do. They went out there and winged it. Ain't nobody telling them no. Jimmy Uso returns. Uh, and there's like a big affectionate return. Cesaro comes out. Rollins winds up attacking Cesaro from behind. Teddy Long's there to make it seem more old school, and he puts together a match uh, where basically Cesaro versus Rollins, and if Cesaro beats Rollins, he gets a universal title opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, we have different things going on here in regards to, uh, I guess, them once again trying to push Cesaro into the, uh, into the spotlight, hopefully getting a title match, which I don't even know... Uh, if that would lead to anything significant for the guy, you know? It needs to at this point. Yeah, I don't know if they would take it off of Roman for Cesaro, though. That's the part that scares me. I don't know if I would take it off of Roman for Cesaro. Does Cesaro deserve like, it? Yes. Does he deserve it at, at this point? I'm not sure. Uh, but there is a bit of an I issue here. Be- yeah. But there is a bit of an issue here because Jimmy Uso winds up in drama with Rollins. Stay out of my business, Seth Rollins says. I'm not Roman. Yeah, I'm not Roman. They see me Roman. And he winds up pushing him. He winds up pushing Jay. And then this causes Jimmy to basically get into a thing with him. Hit him with a super kick. And this in the long run is what's going to cost Rollins this match, giving Cesaro the title match. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of the problems that happens. And then Jimmy gets into a thing with Roman where he's like, you're not going to talk to me like you talk to my brother, which causes an immediate rift, which I kind of expected. I thought it was weird when he came back and he was just part of the family. But I guess they sort yeah. of procrastinated I, on the whole thing. I could see them going down to that have to freaking Roman and have to put Jimmy in line like he did, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened in this SmackDown? I'm doing a lot of SmackDown based on memory because I don't really care too much about SmackDown. You get uh, Teddy Long backstage with Sonya Deville. Um, Sami Zayn tries to convince Teddy Long about the conspiracy bullshit that's going on. Uh, Ruby Riot has a match against Carmella. Carmella, Carmella beats her with her uh, finisher. What is it again? The, uh, the Code of Silence. The Code of Silence. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Bailey had that promo um, against Bianca. Yeah, she tries to freaking sucker punch her, but Bianca winds up catching her, and they're going to have a match. Uh, Dominic Mysterio 
goes over Dolph Ziggler. Um, Reginald has a match. Yeah, Reginald has a match against Tamina. I don't know why they're doing this. They're just showing that the guy knows how to flip. We get it. I don't fucking care about this. They should have just killed him all a month ago, but no, we had to keep him around. Mm -hmm. We're going to have an eight-man where you got a freaking Kevin Owens. Not even an eight, a ten. Yeah, ten man. Kevin Owens, the Street Profits, Nakamura, and Big E, and uh, it's going to be against uh, Apollo Cruz, Sami Zayn, Otis, Chad Gable, and King Corbin, who actually wind up going over. Um, Corbin hitting end of days on Nakamura for yeah, a three count. Yeah, I mean nothing surprises me at this point. Uh, there's a conflict at the end, of course, where basically they're trying to find out where Jimmy stands and who he stands with, but this gets interrupted predictably by Cesaro. And then when uh, Jimmy sees Jay being attacked by Cesaro, a conflict that he gets in the ring, and you think that they would end it where now he comes in and does the super kick, so now he kind of gives the upper hand to Jay and Roman, and it ends with them on top in the ring, and Jimmy's sort of reluctant about what he did. But no, he literally goes in, and he gets hit with the European uppercut, and he just gets fucked up, too. Like, it was, like how did they miss this ending? Where You were supposed to literally, the two of them are fighting, now he comes, slides, and super kick. Now they're like, yeah, and they're celebrating, they hold his hand up and shit, but he looks unsure. Put the logo up. But no, they, they fuck, why would they even want to recruit him now, you asshole? He was, you had your back turned, and you still couldn't save them. <laughs> And don't give me that and make Cesaro look strong bullshit. Cesaro's made to look strong his whole fucking career. Oh, now we're worried about making Cesaro look strong. You know, it just didn't make any sense when they did that. It made zero sense when they decided that that's what they were going to do. I have no idea why. I have no idea what. Yeah, throw it back into the... Throw it back, just throw it. Yeah, no, it didn't make any sense whatsoever the way that that finish came off, man. But for anyone that needs a little peek, here you go. If you just acknowledge him, bro, and then we can get back to doing our thing, man. I know it's hard. Oh, my God, Cesaro. Cesaro attacking Reigns from behind. Much like Roman did to Cesaro earlier tonight. And Cesaro now taking advantage. Cesaro saw Roman all by himself for the first time in a long time and took advantage. And now Jey Uso trying to come to Roman's aid. And Cesaro floors Jay. The right-hand man can get some, too, says Cesaro. And it conflicted Jimmy Uso now into the ring, going right after Cesaro. And Jimmy Uso now taking it to Cesaro. Protecting his brother Jay from Cesaro. And Cesaro with an And failing at it. But at least his hat stayed on. Yeah, that's a tightly tight hat. Very that snap that. back did not snap back. Nope. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was reaching for it, but you, <laughs> you, 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 you caught it before I did. I was like, where how could we do this? And you did it. Congrats to you, sir. The second, I, the second I saw that on Friday, I had that one ready to go. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's basically what happened. I'm talking smack Kevin Owens. I guess I don't know how relevant it is, but he tried to remain relevant there. I don't know if I could play this whole thing, but I'll give you a sneak peek. Uh, you know, another that's just an odd phrase to hear. Kevin Owens trying to remain relevant. That sticks out in my mind is uh, a few years ago. So we were on the road with WWE. and I was, ri- I was riding with uh, Sami Zayn. Go figure. Why? Uh, yeah. Well, he and I have a lot of history together. I was uh, another guy was riding with this big cast. You remember big cast? Uh, and uh, guess who the fourth guy was? We went. We were in South Dakota, and we had time during the day. And we didn't usually travel 
us somebody who could definitely tolerate a prick like Sami Zayn because it's somebody who now tolerates a prick like Paul Heyman, and his name is Roman Reigns. For fondly, it wasn't on my birthday. Well, let's jump ahead here. Because I came don't. in, I was NXT champion. That Naomi and Tamina. Great word, Kayla, who does not get enough credit for the fantastic work she does on top manipulated in that manner. I certainly hope that Naomi and Tamina don't get manipulated in the same way, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, the, the head of the table, his, his, uh, his reach was obviously, uh, you know, something to reckon with. But the point I'm trying to make is people change, and uh, I've changed. Because you mentioned I, I, I'm by myself all the time still. I don't have a lot of friends because of the mistakes I've made in the past. But I accept that. But something else that changed in me is that when I was Universal Champion the first time, I did not enjoy it at all. Because I was so obsessed with being the best possible champion I could be. I was so obsessed trying to make things better, trying to make sure the show was as good as it could be because I was a champion. And I wanted to make sure that this show, that I represented a great show, that I was carrying the, the, the banner of a show that people wanted to see. And I was just so obsessed with trying to make everything as good as possible. I didn't enjoy any of it. But this is where I've changed. Because when I become Universal Champion again, I'm going to love every second of it. So just know this. I'm telling you right now. If Roman Reigns doesn't lose the title to Cesaro, and if he doesn't lose it to someone else before I get to him again, I'm going to take the title. Don't forget about me. Don't make the mistake to think I'm gone. Because I am not going anywhere. Don't you... Forget about me. Oh my god. I won't finish that song. I refuse. But it's actually kind of interesting, y'all. It actually was Kevin's birthday on Friday. So happy belated birthday, KO. Happy birthday. Uh, SmackDown did 2.157 million viewers with a 0.6 in the 18 to 49 demographic, above last week's 1.923 million viewers with a 0.5 in the 18 to 49 demographic. So there you go with that. Last stop, thank God, is Raw in the polls, folks. Um, oh, with last God. week's Raw bringing in an overnight average of 1.872 million viewers in the point 53 in the 18 to 49 demographic. And that's another thing with AEW. Like, they're not touching the, sh- the, 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 the ratings of something like Raw SmackDown. Like, great, they won a Wednesday night award. It doesn't matter anymore. Now you're up against nothing. Those ratings need to start coming up. If you're going to be a show like Raw and SmackDown, I need to start seeing Raw and SmackDown ratings. They're nearing 2 million while you're nearing 1 million. That being said... Charlotte, Nia, and Shayna versus Asuka, Dana, Brooke, and Mandy Rose is the first match with the finish being Shayna's leg gives out for trying to reach a tag, and Asuka finishes her with the Shining Wizard. I don't know if this was a work, or I think it was part of the angle, but it was just such a bad finish. I have no idea. Reggie literally does a fucking backflip for no reason. He's on the apron. Everything stops at one point, and both teams have this face-off just to cue for Alexa Bliss to appear on a swing. Um, and she talks about how she's keeping her eye on one of them, but they don't reveal which one it is. And this is one of those cases where I'm worried, where I'm like, I hope WWE at least knows which one it is. And they're not making this shit up because in doing this, you now limited yourself to six women. It can't yeah, be Nikki Cross or someone who's not here because now we know it has to be somebody from this fucking match, which uh, I at least hope they know where this is going. Uh, what else? I know they don't, though, because last week she said her favorite color was red. So clearly they're talking about somebody who was wearing red. Sonya Deville was wearing red. Sonya Deville was nowhere to be found during this fucking match. They don't know. They have no. So they're just making this up as they go along. Trust me, that millions not as great as it looks. Yeah. Jinder Mahal's back on Raw for some reason. He has Veer and Shanky with him. They used to have oh, Indian names. Because mm-hmm. apparently 
last week on main event, this faction debuted because Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal wrestled on main event and these two appeared. Incredible. Great, great place to start angle. And Veer and Shanky, they used to have Indian first and last names. We talked about them when they entered the Performance Center, but they're Veer and Shanky now. Uh, one used to be part of it this year. The other one made his debut at the last Aldi show. Right. Jinder Mahal has a match against Jeff Hardy. Predictably, Jinder goes over with the Colossus in his debut match back. Uh, you get an eight-man tag match that we talked about earlier with the finish being the RKO on Elias. And then afterwards, Orton's um, RKO's New Day. And then Riddle's like, Randy, how are we ever going to have friends if you keep doing things like this? Well, so that was <laughs> that kind of amusing. So um, for some reason, we keep milking Humberto Carrillo against Sheamus. Um, Humberto, unfortunately, here he botches an apron sunset bomb, which Graves calls ugly. Sheamus lands on... Uh, Humberto's left knee. We don't know if he broke his tailbone or if he messed up his knee. There hasn't been a follow-up on that. He kept reaching to it. Yeah, do we have... I, I didn't get a clip or anything of it. Let me see if I could... Uh, because that's something important. I should have had that, but I kind of forgot up until this moment. Let me see if there's something that we... Because uh, at this point, you're just trying to survive raw, so every now and then you might miss something. Yeah, right? <laughs> but one thing I'll say while you're grabbing that, yeah, that whole one point... 8 million, that whole dance tour, 2 million. That's because there's people that just blindly follow that shit. Like, this Raw, the, the past few Raws have just been ass and cheeks. Like, Yeah, but I can say I, the I, same I, about AEW. There are people that are just blindly following that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely. I see exactly what you mean. But it's like, I, I, I at this point, I'm, I'm looking at it like if Raw can retain oh, almost 2 million, at this point, anybody can. Which makes it weird now that NXT's not. Like, that yeah, kind of baffles the, me. Like, yeah, I, ha- I have the unpopular taste, apparently, because the show that makes me enjoy it is, like, NXT. I, without me trying, like, I'm just watching to report it on here, like I am with everything. And uh, I, I laugh, you know, it's just fun stuff there. And, I mean, I've, I've, a lot of people that I've always liked, I've always been a Johnny Gargano fan before he was big. I've always been a Candice fan before she was big. There's a lot of Champa people on there well. that I, yeah, Champa. Like, so, I mean, there's a lot more people that I'm going to gravitate toward as well. Like, if I'm really looking at it, NXT should be whooping Raw's ass every week. Because on NXT's worst, they destroy Raw. Yeah. Like NXT should be the one dancing near 2 million every week. And Raw should be the one pushing 800,000 on a good fucking week. Because, yeah, like I said earlier, people, we got not one, not two, but three Eva Marie promos. Because they need to remind you three times that they fired Mickey James and Chelsea Green and brought back this botchy bitch. Wait a minute. Yeah. It just fucking hit me. What if. And like Alexa Bliss said in her promo last week that her favorite color is red. What if it's that? What if that's fucking Eva Marie's first view back? Oh my god! If they do that to Alexa but Bliss, then she would have been in the ring. They're gonna wait till she comes back because everybody knows she's coming back now. Which, by the way, they keep changing everything because uh, Mia Yim was supposed to debut in a match against Carmella on SmackDown, and they just didn't do she it. Was supposed to be on, and now they're saying she's gonna debut this Friday. I'm tired of them switching shit at the last fucking moment. If you say shit's gonna happen, make it fucking happen. Yeah, no, that's because I have yet to see a legitimate reason for any of the switches. They could have left the McAfee thing in; would have been great. Could have had me and him show up now with that bullshit reckoning gimmick. Could have been great. Somebody explain to me where changing either of those two made any kind of fucking sense. And also, like. It just, like I said, it just doesn't feel like they they're, they're putting any effort into the wrestling on the show itself. 
because they're not. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, it just kind of feels like like the wrestling's very phoned in. There's no sequences, just spots and rest holds. You know, none of the matches really have any substance or anything that's a highlight reel. Everything just feels slow paced and dry. It's not even methodical. It's just lazy, and uh, it's just hard to even really get into. Raw they, has been doing what the Mortal Kombat movie did for years, and that's just riding on the fucking name. Yeah, we, I'm I'm seeing that's a report. I'm seeing a report that Humberto's okay. Maybe Carl Stinger or something. It was just odd the fact that when he landed, and you've seen people do this before, he pointed like something was hurt and then slid across the floor. It looked like, like he waved something him. off. I just wasn't sure what. I can't find the sequence. I mean, it's less important now that we know that he's okay. Like, I don't know why I call it a sequence. It's a spot in this company. But, uh, yeah, I guess it just had to be stopped momentarily. Yeah, I mean, no. A long-ass moment because they never started back up. They used to clear shame as the winner. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they had to do. Maybe they weren't taking any chances. And maybe it was out of his control. Uh, Cedric has a match against Shelton. Shelton goes over with the pay dirt. Oh, oh, now he the pay dirt. He went with his uh, old finisher, the T-bone suplex. Oh, did he really? Okay. Yeah, because uh, sh- uh, Cedric hit the, hit the neuralizer and then just started shit-talking. And Shelton shoved him back and hit a T-bone suplex, which uh, for those who don't remember, when he first broke off in the world's greatest tag team, that was his finisher. Right, right. Okay. I know the trick. I haven't seen him hit that move in years. Do I pop when I saw it? Eyes, man. Good eyes. Uh, what else? What else? What else? After that, you had uh, Oscar versus Rhea Ripley because with Charlotte. For some reason, Sonya Deville wanted to wrestle twice. Yeah, Charlotte shows up with the distraction. Sonya Deville has a new shirt, by the way. It's called uh, Big Deville Energy. Get it? Big Dick Energy. So it's that Big Deville Energy. <laughs> okay. All right. I figure yeah. I bring it up. But yeah, Rhea Ripley winds up going over because Oscar gets she gets distracted by Charlotte, right? She yeah, she got distracted by Charlotte for like a second. Which the way she was dressed, I could see if I got distracted by Charlotte, but I don't know why the fuck they keep getting distracted by her. You know, it's like she's dressing cute she's for the girls. Dumb shit, this company. Yeah. Uh, John Morrison has a match against Damian Priest. Miz accompanies him. Uh, Damian Priest goes over, but he's still angry at the fact that the Miz fails at distracting him. Uh, so what it was like because I guess Miz has been Miz continuously gets involved, so he just got fed up and hit him when hit the lights a second time after the match was over. But uh, going into this, the whole catch was that if Morrison won, he got to pick the stipulation for uh, him and Miz's match at Backlash, and if Priest won, then he got to pick the stipulation. The Priest won, Miz failed, it didn't work, and yet Priest is the one who comes out of this furious going, that's it, I want a match again. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of, like, why is he angry? He, he just want to end up being a lumberjack match. Which... Yeah, he made it a lumberjack match. Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley again. Is there anything on the line here? Like, what is this? Not a fucking thing. He wrestled Strowman last week, so he's wrestling McIntyre this week. Yeah, and then Drew goes over via DQ, you know, because... Braun hits Drew with a running power slam, and then MV3 tries to hit Braun with his cane, and then uh, Strowman winds up hitting, la- hitting uh, lifting Lashley for a running power slam into the barricade, and then he goes back inside, and um, he hits Drew with a- another power slam, and then they go home. Yeah, so they leave us with having some kind of delusional grandeur that Strowman might actually win. Yeah, oh my god. He was excited for another underwhelming Braun Strowman title one. Yeah. Not me. Not anybody else, but apparently somehow this shit pulled almost two million. That's something else. All right, folks, what's our last stop? We're going to be doing the poll now. 
don't forget this Sunday we will be in the chat room. Uh, go to your chat room of your choice. Just look us up, contact social media, and then we'll have a post show immediately following in all of the same places as usual. Um, the bot should have the link up for you guys in a minute. Also, you can just go to talkbrunch.com. It'll be on the top of the page. There's a link there, the icon of the backlash. You can click that to take you to the poll directly or right underneath it is the embedded version of the poll. So you have all of those options. As always, if there are more matches added between now, Monday going into Tuesday, May 11th, 2021, between now and Sunday, you can check back and the new matches will be added to the top of the poll with a timestamp. When you go back, you can just answer those matches. You don't have to re-enter the ones underneath. You can leave those blank. Just scroll to the bottom, hit submit. Your your answers will be counted and are appreciated. Now, here we go, guys. WWE Backlash. Because we are not putting WrestleMania Backlash on this shit. It's just exactly. backlash. I'm doing stupid shit. Yeah, don't you do know that. how. Exactly. Don't do that. First match is a Lumberjack match announced tonight. Damian Priest against The Miz. What are your thoughts? Of course, Priest is going over because I'm over Mike and they just need to hurry up and break this thing up because we know that's what they're doing. Yeah, he got dragged down by this tag team stuff. I know he's real friends. He's, he has a shoot friendship with uh, freaking Morrison, but it doesn't translate as well in the WWE universe. Especially as, because uh, this was a tag team from when they first showed up years ago. Nobody wanted it. Yeah. So, I mean, and Damian Priest, I'm really, I'm really high on him. I really want this guy. Honestly, man, out of everybody who's here, and I know we're in a bad era, I, I really want that guy to be a top guy. You know, he needs it. You know what that tripped me out when I first when I watched him on when I watched him tonight. I watched an old match with him when he was still Punishment Martinez. It's crazy to think it's the same person. Yeah, because there's so much personality here versus dark evil Punishment Martinez back in ROH. Yeah, but he's my pick right now. I know if I haven't been vocal about him very much, but succeed, just don't fuck him up. Yeah, he's my pick for a push. I know a lot of people are hiring Keith Lee, and I want to see him succeed too. But if you ask me right now, if this is my company and I can push one person to be the face of it and someone that they're going to use going forward, if you have Roman Reigns and SmackDown, who would I have for Raw? I honestly would pick Damian Priest. Oh yeah, at this point they've screwed Keith Lee, so he's that that's that that dream is done for me. Yeah. Anyway. Damian Priest is my choice here. We will move it along. SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. And I, I noticed that no one on the website or anywhere refers to them as the Dirty Dogs. Just them. That might be their own thing. They went into business for themselves because they don't acknowledge that fucking name anywhere. Exactly. I, yeah. hardly, I, hardly, I hardly remember the tag team exists until I see them show up. This might be like when Zack Ryder said that he was going to change everything and they just came out. Radio. Like They're not changing your music. You can change what you want, but they don't give a shit about you. But anyway, so Dolph Ziggler and Robert were defending as Rey Mysterio and Dominic. What do you think happens here? Hands down, Mysterio and Dominic, because one, Dominic needs a big one like this. And two, I'm sick of this jobber team that only defends their title at once every freaking blood moon. This is me, too. I'm right there with you, Rey Mysterio and Dominic. There's no appeal in this Ziggler Rude tag team. Ziggler already signed a new contract. We know. You don't give a shit about Rude. We know. Move on. Yeah, I mean, and we don't know how long Ray's going to be around or how long his legs are going to be okay. I'd like Dominic to get this tag match with his dad, so tag title ch- run. This you know? would be big for him on not only a career note, but just a personal note. Mm-hmm. Universal Championship, Roman Reigns defending against Cesaro. Roman's definitely going to take it, but I think Cesaro, first of all, is going to put on the, probably the best match of his career. 
And two, he is going to come probably within about a hair of winning that match to warrant them running it back. Okay. I'm going Roman too. I don't think Cesaro now is going to take it. They'd have to do some serious storytelling. And they only have one more episode to do it. So I'm going to go with no on the Cesaro thing. I see it maybe in a rematch or two, but not just yet. Raw Women's Championship triple threat match. Rhea Ripley defending against Asuka and Charlotte. I am going Rhea because as of tonight, Rhea went 2-0 against Asuka. And I'm not big on the whole, as much as Charlotte is fantastic, I'm not the big, I'm not big on the whole, hey, Sonya Deville could just throw me into a title shot thing. Yeah, play hot potato with the title who I like Rhea. Charlotte being the champ in the title picture is cool. In fact, if, in fact, if anything, if I was calling this, I'd have Rhea pin Charlotte. Yeah, I'd like Rhea to have because a run. They, because it's the first time they've been in the ring together since Mania, and she's already beaten Oscar twice. We know she can beat Oscar. Yeah, and I'd like her to have a run. You know, not just a month. Yeah. So she needs to. Okay. SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair against Bailey. As much as I do like Bailey, they just got this thing on Bianca. You have to let that ride for a little bit. Because I feel like Bailey had the championship for over a year. At this point, that does a lot. This a win does a lot more for the for Bianca than it does for Bailey. And it's not like they can't go again because they just started this feud back up again. I'd like an upset here. I think Bailey is cunning enough and has had the title enough and has enough experience. I'd like for her to take advantage of being the veteran champion that she is and screw Bianca over and there be an upset here. Bianca doesn't need a long run. She already got to be in the WrestleMania fucking thing, the first black woman, whatever. And I'm glad about all that. I think that I'd like to see Bailey take it back, have an upset and give her momentum and heat as a heel. Honestly, and I know it would be an upset, and that's the reason why, because it would be upsetting. And it would be, this is one of those times that someone losing a title fast would be a great story because they do have all that footage of her celebrating and praying and being grateful and her family and all that shit. And this is a great time for a heel to come and stomp that shit out. Yeah, I could definitely agree with you on that. And if it was you anybody know. to do it, Bailey be perfect. Bailey would be perfect for it. You know, and then and then I think Bianca will be better chasing. And it gives her a storyline that she didn't ha- have. You know, like when Bianca won the title, her storyline was built with Sasha and it was barely built. There's a lot of story to be told if she's chasing, you know. So and and Stacey just pointed something out. We haven't seen Sasha since. Imagine they realigned themselves now. And that's what the fucking swerve is here. They're their friends again, they screw her over. I, I'm interested I in this going somewhere else. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see something here. Uh, WWE Championship Triple Threat Match. Bobby Lashley defending against Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Obviously, it's going to be Bobby. If they want to swerve us, it's going to be Drew. But ain't no way in hell it's going to be Strowman. I think that Lashley keeps it. Oh, yeah. Hands down, Lashley's keeping us. That's my opinion. He's it the most change. interesting out of these three right now. Yeah. And that's it for the polls, guys. If there's a kickoff or if one of these becomes a kickoff, it won't change. So you don't have to worry about coming back for that. If something else is added, of course, we will put it there. We'll keep you updated throughout the week. Um, as a matter of fact, from now on, if you guys want, you can follow uh, the Talk Brunch official Twitter. And what I'll do is whenever something is added, I will tweet it. And you can put the little bell notification on that Twitter so you can get it if you choose to. I don't need you to, but if it's for you and you're interested in the polls and us getting accurate results, that'll be it. You hit that finish button here and that'll wrap us up there. And uh, get your votes in, guys. That's pretty much the way that it goes, right? Vote or die. Vote or die. All right. We're ready to wrap up here, right? Hell yeah. Fantastic. Thank you to everyone who has hung out with us for this episode and 
dealt with our nocturnal news telling and is going to be with us for the rest of the week. Do not forget that there are going to be extra content, not necessarily tomorrow, but throughout the rest of the week. We did Mortal Kombat 11. We'll do Mortal Kombat 11 uh, aftermath sometime this week, as well as our return to uh, Outriders. Hopefully there's been enough bug fixes and patches in the last month that we can do something more. Um, that being said, thank you to the chat room, all of our regulars and our live viewers across all platforms, Willie V2, Stasis Dream, Six Slayer, AKAC, Andrew Castro, Thomas Garcia, Ayanth, uh, Keys Thompson, aka okay, King Quest as well in the other chat room, Cabigon, Not Yosefa 7, Paulina93, George, Bloodluster, Ronnie Davis, The Man 2, Acer113, as well as everyone across all popular podcast apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, uh, iHeartRadio, Podcast Attic, as well as our live feeds over at twitch.tv slash talkbrunch and facebook.com slash talkbrunch. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 455, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, for myself and my co-host, Destin Soglo Frazier. We're out of here. And remember... Don't do that. Shut it down.